Welcome to Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury. I have an awesome show for you this week. Uh, my friend Jay Wesley Fox came by to talk about science fiction. We had a very wide-ranging discussion about all sorts of stuff, including our thoughts on the new Captain Picard TV show and what we'd like to see from it. And uh, he's also a sci-fi podcaster, so we talk about his show. We talk about uh, trying to build an audience and and what it is that we're doing as podcasters and how awkward that can sometimes be. And I, I found this discussion, you know, really interesting and in some ways sort of cathartic because I, I've i mentioned this recently, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with this show and whether or not I want this show to continue because I've definitely seen a decline in listenership. Uh, and I finally have made some decisions about that. So uh, I'm not going to leave you in suspense. I'm just going to tell you what's going on. Uh, this this discussion that I'm going to share with you today took place two months ago as I'm recording this intro. It, uh, we talked at the end of August and it's now the end of October. Uh, and in that time, I have decided to start a new live sci-fi chat show on my YouTube channel called Doug Space Nine. <laughs> uh, so obviously, it's a Deep Space Nine show with my friend Douglas Gale, who you who you've heard on this show a lot talking about Babylon Five with me. Um, I I don't know. I mean, you will hear me talking in this episode with Wes about how I kind of feel like it might be better and easier for me to just talk about a Star Trek show instead of going all over the place with sci-fi because that is really hard to market. It's really hard to bring people into the show. Uh, so going through and watching Deep Space Nine has also been something that has been on my mind for a while as far as you know, wanting to go back and do it again and to talk about it in a podcast format. And then with my game streaming on YouTube, that's been going much better than podcasting ever went for me. And it felt like it might be an opportunity to transition the sci-fi chats from this podcast format into a live format and just give that a shot. So that's what I'm doing. I am going to put a hold on this podcast on Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. There's going to be one more episode after this one for now. Um, it might never come back. It might come back someday. I don't know. That's that's going to be more up to fate than to anything else, I guess. I really, I really don't know at this point what's going to happen with the future of this show, besides to say that I need to put it down for a while. I've been finding it more and more difficult to, to find the will to do the work to get the episodes put out, uh, especially when I can live stream something and there's no editing and it's just done and over and up and out and I don't have to touch it ever again and it just exists for people to enjoy or not. Uh, and I don't know, there's something freeing about that as far as giving me more time to make more stuff behind the scenes if I'm not spending the time editing a podcast. And I can still do my favorite part of this show, which is have the discussion about science fiction, which is what I'm addicted to, and that I can't seem to put down. So that's what's happening. Uh, YouTube.com slash Jesse Mercury Sci-Fi. Look for the Doug Space Nine playlist. We are going live with Doug Space Nine at 2 p.m. Pacific time every other Friday. There is one happening this week, uh, which is two days from now. So October 26th is going to be the next Doug Space Nine. So if you're listening to this, Right as it comes out, you have time to come join us for the next live one. We are discussing episodes five and six. Is that right? Let's see. We did the pilot and then two, three, and then... No, we're doing episodes four and five of Deep Space Nine as you see them on Netflix because there are conflicting numberings out there for Deep Space Nine, but we're doing episodes four and five. One of them, uh, I I believe it's... Uh, actually, no, I remember. It's Babel and Captive Pursuits. That's the two episodes we're doing from seasons one of Deep Space Nine. And uh, one of them, I remember very specifically loving. The other one, I don't remember what happens in. So I'm excited about this week's episode, and I hope you are there to join us. And then the very last episode of this podcast, uh, for the time being, is going to be wrapping up our discussion of Babylon 5 with Doug. And I actually... 
I actually pitched him the idea for Doug Space Nine live during that episode, and I have that recorded, which I'm going to bring to you whenever that last episode comes out. So I'm very excited about this. It puts me back on a more consistent release schedule for my sci-fi stuff. Uh, If you've hung with me over the last few months as I've scarcely released anything on this podcast feed, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm amazed that you stuck around as I was kind of uh, waffling about what I was doing with the show and not putting out regular content. But uh, decisions have been made. We are moving forward with a a new experiment with the live sci-fi show, and it will be every other week, uh, barring any people being out of town or stuff like that. Like, I'm going to go visit Andy in New York uh, in November, and I think that's going to alter our schedule very slightly. But for the most part, it's going to be every other week for Doug Space Nine. Very exciting. Before we get into our discussion with uh, with Wes, I actually have a couple of new iTunes reviews I want to share. This was very bittersweet for me. I got two new iTunes reviews in the last couple of weeks. Uh, after I had made the decision to uh, to shut down this show for now, I got these reviews, and I'm like, oh man, it makes me sad, but but it makes me very happy. I mean, I, I, I see a potential future in which this show comes back. Um, and it would re- it would really revolve around a, a need for more episodes from an audience that loves this show. So if if there are people out there who are leaving this five who are discovering it later and leaving five star reviews and sharing it with friends, and I see that this show is getting uh, plays, then I would be very tempted to come back and do more because I I'm not stopping this because I dislike it. I'm stopping it because there's not enough people listening to justify the time and effort, and it and that has started to crush my soul very slightly, <laughs> and I have to let it go uh, because I'd rather I'd rather do something easier with small listener, listenership, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but already my already in the first two episodes of Doug Space Nine, uh, the the viewership has already equaled, if not surpassed, the recent viewership of this show. So I'm feeling optimistic about doing that. Uh, and, you know, I'll talk to Wes a little bit in this episode about my feelings about listenership and uh, and how I, I wish that it didn't matter to me, but I can't help but be, get wrapped up in it, especially when I had good listenership for a while and then it went away. But I'm spoiling this episode for you. I'll, I'll talk about that with Wes later. But I do want to share these two new iTunes reviews with you because they are very awesome and I really appreciate them. Uh, This one is from Perhaps This. It's called Intelligent Fun Conversations. Great show. I got pulled in with the Babylon 5 chat and have since taken a shine to the backlog. Enjoying the dives into sci-fi. Good production values. Great theme song. Just enough insights into the host's off-mic life to get you interested. Worth a download. Thank you so much, Perhaps This. And then another one, uh, definitely from another Babylon 5 fan, it says, Initiate Zathras, which is a great name. Uh, So this is from Initiate Zathras. It's called Sci-Fi Nerd Love. Sometimes I just want to relax with friends and talk about my favorite science fiction TV shows slash movies. I enjoy this podcast because it feels like a smart friend who wants you to engage with this media and think critically about what you're enjoying. I enjoy it, and I think you will too. Uh, so initiate Zathras. Thank you so much for that five-star review. I really appreciate it. Uh, this also ties into something that I've been noticing, which is that, uh, I, I really feel like bouncing around from different sci-fi has, has been a disservice to my growth as a podcast because, um, I, I made more fans from talking about Babylon 5 than from any other subject. And I feel like I could have had a successful Babylon 5 show if I'd tried. <laughs> but I mean, at this point, I've watched through that whole show. I finished those discussions with Doug and it felt like time to try something new. And I've got my fingers crossed that Deep Space Nine could be that thing. I'm already feeling like the audience watching Doug, Doug Space Nine is my game streaming audience and not as much my podcast listenership audience. But that audience is, is 
you know, it's you. If you're listening to this, it's you, and you are a select few. You are you are mighty, but you are few. And I would love to see you in the live chat for Doug Space Nine because you can come talk to us in real time about the episodes as we're chatting about them. I have considered releasing Doug Space Nine as a podcast. Also, the audio quality is not as good as my normal podcast because I have to keep the mics out of our faces because it just kind of drives me crazy to watch something that is meant to be live on YouTube and to have a mic in somebody's face to get that good podcast audio quality. I mean, there's ways to do it, but I don't have the space or the means to do it. So I just kind of made the decision. I'm going to use one mic, keep it off camera. And the show sounds great and looks great if you're watching it. But if you're listening to it back, it's not that it's not quite as as good as, you know, as the way that I've come to record this podcast, because I put a lot of time and effort into making this as professional sounding as possible. And that's definitely not the not the point. It does not, uh, for Doug Space Nine. It does not need to sound as professional as possible. It just needs to look good, get the point across, make sure that you can hear us and not be distracting with mics and people's faces. So that's that's the way we're going with that. But I have considered uh, releasing it as a podcast. At this point, I'm kind of, I'm really on the fence about it because the whole idea with this was to not give myself any post production work. So if that's something you really want, let me know. Um, it would take, it would take some, it would take many people telling me they want that for me to do it. But at this point, I'm just going to let it exist on my YouTube page because as soon as the show's done. I'm done and it's it's over and it's there and you can watch it back. And then if you have YouTube Premium, you can actually uh, listen to it with the phone in your pocket as if it were a podcast. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, one decision has been made. Other decisions are yet to be made. And I will say that if you are one of my patrons who's been following me on Patreon for a while and you decide to end your, uh, end your I don't even know what to call it, end your patronage because I'm no longer going to be producing this podcast. And at this point, I think I'm putting down Sci-Fi on Trial as well because I that show is just so hard to produce. I don't have the energy. You know, my health is still uh, crawling back to something resembling normality. I still can't work. And I, I just have to make some hard decisions about what I'm doing with my creative life, especially because, you know, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back to work. And I really need to follow anything that is even remotely generating income as a content creator. And game streaming is the only thing I'm doing that's doing that right now. So uh, I, I really need to follow that. Something that's really cool about the new Doug Space Nine show is that I can actually monetize those streams. Uh, Nintendo demonetizes all of my live streams after the fact. So, you know, the first... Uh, however many downloads, or not downloads in this case, the first however many views that I receive, I can monetize as the stream is live. But as soon as the stream is over, Nintendo will content ID it and claim it so then I can no longer monetize it in the future, uh, which is not a big deal because, you know, 90% of my viewership is happening live. But with Doug Space Nine, that's not an issue at all. So if if I were to ever generate more of an audience with that and people were to dive back in the back catalog, I could make some monetization revenue from that, which is, it's just a nice thing to have because that doesn't exist with the podcast. Uh, really with the podcast, the only way I can monetize it is through Patreon. And that went reasonably well. And I've been so excited for anyone who signed up to support me throughout the podcast. Uh, but, you know, I, I've been making about 60 bucks a month on Patreon for a while. And I'm already making, you know, hundreds of dollars a month from game streaming. And as much as I hate to stop producing something that people have signed up to Patreon for, uh, I am hoping that Doug Space Nine is a good substitute for this show because it's, you know, it's the same amount of content. I mean, we're talking for like two to three hours in each episode every other week, which is about what I was doing when I was doing a weekly show. Uh, so it's about the same amount of content and it's in a similar vein. If Doug, if Deep Space Nine is not your show and you don't want to 
watch it. That's obviously totally fine. Or if you are not a live show person and you'd rather like listen to podcasts and you don't want to keep supporting me, I just want everyone to know who's on Patreon, who decides to drop off at this point. Thank you so much for the support you've given me. I really appreciate it. And there are absolutely no hard feelings for, for uh, not supporting me when I am actually like physically changing what I am producing. I, I'm totally aware that that's probably going to lose me some patrons and I'm totally okay with that. And thank you for the support so far. Okay. I think that's everything that I had to say that I needed to say. So let's get into our discussion with Jay Wesley Fox, awesome dude who I finally got to meet in person. If you've been following the show for a long time, this podcast, you have heard him write in several times. I've, I've read several of his emails. His support was a big part of why I kept going for so long. I mean, there's so many of you out there that have uh, well, there's a few of you out there that have really, really supported the show and really kept me going. Um, and and that has meant the world to me. And I really, really appreciate it. And Wes is one of them. Uh, so it was a real thrill to get to sit down with him and actually talk about podcasting. So cool. So here's that discussion with Jay Wesley Fox. Okay. We're rolling. I haven't done this in so long. I'm like, am I doing this right? Uh, Jay Wesley Fox, welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been listening to you for like two years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you first got in touch. Uh, yeah, you got in touch a couple years ago. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I checked out your show as well, and Prescient Sci-Fi, your website. Um, yeah. I mean, we've been just kind of trading emails back and forth for years. And we just met like minutes ago in real life for the first time. Yeah, I was in North Carolina for, let's see, about seven years and uh, started the web, uh, the website and the podcast about three years ago, four years ago. And uh, yeah, I just got a new job um, up in Bothell, Washington, the Seattle area, moved here a month ago. And I was like, yeah, what a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, awesome. Oh, I got to meet Jesse now because, I mean, we're like in the same area. There's no excuse. Totally. So, if two sci-fi podcasters live even remotely close together, it is their duty to meet I, and chat. I think so. I mean, there's... Yeah, there's not too many of us. We're a rare breed. We are, so. and we're a dying breed even amongst ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, your show is on hiatus right now, right? We I've done like a soft relaunch. We we renamed oh, it. Oh, you did awesome. Yeah, we renamed it to vacant uh, vacant expressions. Uh, one hour of your life you won't get back. Uh, <laughs> it's my brother and I, and we we decided to open up because we tend to go on tangents a lot. Yeah, and kind of meander through all sorts of topics. So we decided, well, it's not really a science. I mean, we love science fiction. We talk about it a lot of the time, but we're like, you know, let's let's open it up and just be like the title, the subtitle, the whole explanation. Be like, this is gonna we're gonna talk of popular culture, but sci-fi, fantasy, science, maybe a little bit of a few other things. So we we decided to do that to be fair to to people checking us out because you know they might listen to the show and be like, oh, it's a science fiction show, right? And then only about half of it is actually on science fiction. The rest of it's on you know whatever the hell we we moved off onto. Yeah, totally. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so the weird thing is like there's two new ones live. Um, that were recorded just a few weeks ago. Oh, great. I didn't uh, even know that. I'm so excited to check it out. Yeah. Well, one's, uh, we just did like a really late review of Infinity War. Nice. And then the other one, we were just talking about Cities of the Future. We found this cool article on uh, some of these con- uh, architectural concepts. Oh, like future cities. actual cities, like real life. I'm like, yeah. what cities of the future? Is that a comic book I haven't read? No, no, no. It's <laughs> it like, sounds uh, great. yeah, like uh, someone's rendering of what Paris would be like in 2049 oh, or something cool. like that. 
So those are the two that are out. The, the weird thing is, is that we're, we're behind schedule on putting the new logo in. Uh-huh. So like when you go to it, it'll say vacant expressions. It'll have all that on iTunes. And then it'll have the old, uh, the old thought crime uh, logo for the old name for the podcast. We changed the name of the podcast. Right. So. Oh, that's right. It was called, uh, thought, was it, what was it called? Thought, thought crime? crime? Thought Crime. Cool. Yeah. We and just then said, the website is Prussian Sci-Fi. Yes. Pre- um, yeah. yeah. You can get, yeah, you can list all the, uh, the, the episodes on PressingSciFi.com. On iTunes, you can find it under either Thought Crime or vacant expressions gotcha and yeah we just figured thought crime was too serious of a title because <laughs> i always liked it because of the yeah. 1984 yes connection it's one of my favorite novels of all time yeah and like i definitely like we thought we thought we were like being a little more edgy but then when i listen to other science fiction like podcasts i realized like we're not really edgy we're basically in the mainstream with what a lot of uh like i mean like your show for example um I don't know if you want me to start name dropping. Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, David's show. There was two others. I don't think they do them anymore because they haven't had any new ones for a while. Oh, um, Skiffy and Fanti and uh, Sword and Laser. Oh, I haven't heard those last two. Skiffy and Fanti is a really cool one. They're, um, they do all sorts of things. Like their primer, They also have something called, uh, I think you do kind of the same thing. They call it Torture Theater. <laughs> where they they watch like a, a really bad movie oh. <laughs> and uh, go through it and just basically tear it to shreds and just have fun with it and yeah, everything. So that sounds like sci-fi on trial. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of cases you have like you have movies that are both terrible, but some of them that actually are not found guilty. So right. they're actually not. Yeah, like not terrible movies, but maybe like <laughs> controversial. The sh- the most shocking one to me still is that we found Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull not guilty. <laughs> I've st- I still haven't seen it. Don't. It's <laughs> everyone it's not, says that it's not as bad as people say it is like going back and rewatching. I was like, yeah, OK, it's fine, but it's not a good movie and it's not worth watching. It's not worth your time. And if you have like good memories of Indiana Jones from childhood, like this might spoil it just a little bit. OK, but but not as bad as I thought upon rewatching it. Like I, the first time I saw it was in the theaters. I was like, fuck, that's that's awful. And I never watched it again <laughs> until Sci-Fi on Trial. And then I had to admit to myself that it was really it was really like the first 15, 20 minutes that were mm-hmm. just disgusting. And then a little bit towards the end that was also kind of terrible. But there was a lot of like pretty fun stuff. And I, I kind of like Shia LaBeouf as Mutt Williams. I, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I kind of enjoy the the repartee between uh, Indiana Jones and, and Mutt Williams, which I will say nothing else about. Maybe okay. you should watch it. Go watch it. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I'm so conflicted on that movie. Anyway. Um, so, Okay. Take me back to four years ago when you, three or four years ago when you start the podcast and the website. What comes first? What's the what's the sort of drive to start getting into sci-fi content it, creation? It actually uh, goes a little further than that. In, I think it was 2010, 2009, 2010, uh, I had a lot of time on my hands because I didn't have a job. And then when I did have a job, it wasn't full time. So I was like struggling. Right around that time, a lot of people were, I had just graduated law school in 2009 Really? And normally, wow. uh, DePaul University in Chicago. Okay, wow. And yeah, normally that sets you up, you yeah. know, at least for a job, maybe not the one you want, but, you right. know, a degree like that's useful. 2009 was like the absolute worst year to graduate oh, for, yeah. for that profession and for me in general, because I, I didn't specialize in one particular area. Hmm. And uh, normally that's not a big deal, but in, in that uh, labor market, it was like much worse. So I had all, all this time on my hands and I... You know, didn't want to spend it like sulking over being broke and all that. So I, I had this. I always loved science fiction, and so I decided, you know, I'm just going to start writing. And I ended up writing a science fiction novel, um, first fiction, major piece of fiction I've ever written. So it was uh, horrible. 
<laughs> and I spent a lot of time, like I, I hired editors and I hired, wow. and I had a lot of beta readers and a, a lot of reworks. It took um, two years and uh, pu- self-published it. Looking back on it, I would love to revise it again. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I'm I, so curious now. I want to read this. But I'm uh, learning so much right now. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. I'd give you like the one I'm working on now. I'd give you. I wouldn't. Re- I don't like telling people about like the older books because I'm sure. like I don't. My writing has changed. My ideas have changed. Like I feel that way about so, my old music. I, my yeah. old music is under my real name, not even my stage name, so no one can even find it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I used a I used a pen name too, and like, oh, people, really? oh, like I want to buy it because I mean you can get it on Amazon, but I was like, uh. No, I'll give you the new, I'll give you one of my new ones. I don't want to give you that one. It's like from seven years ago when I just, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, I put a lot of thought into it, but like in terms of just writing a story and um, a lot of the, just the basics of trying to entertain someone and also, you know, not, not just info dump on them. Like a lot of sure. uh, writers do. I'm sure there's someone out there who like loves this book. What, what was it called? <laughs> uh, the Fifth World. The Fifth World. I'm sure there's someone out there who who's like, you're crazy. That book's so good. Cause I mean, you know. Making anything is just a, a per, anyone's opinion. And I, I actually had this happen to me recently where someone was telling me they pulled up my first album, Copper mm-hmm. Sun, which is under my real name that I don't like advertise anymore at all. And like, I love that album so much. I still listen to it from time to time. I'm like, you're crazy. That's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's so like, it embarrasses me so much because it's just like when I was really into Dave Matthews band and oh, okay. com- a complete different person made that album than who I am now. And uh, like they say that your body completely uh, flushes all cells every seven years and you mm-hmm. are like literally a different person every seven years or like every piece of you that existed seven years ago has been replaced mm-hmm. yeah. within seven years, I guess I'm saying, uh, which is why I'm not afraid of transporters, by the way, because <laughs> <laughs> every bit of you is being replaced anyway. But anyway, um, it does feel like a different person made that and like, yeah, I have get that. no uh, no desire to listen to it ever or, <laughs> or really like... <laughs> I don't know. But then I'm sure in 20 years I'll listen to it and be like, oh, that's cute. Look at that kid. <laughs> yeah, the further I get away from each, everything I've ever done, like the further away I get, the less like I want to be attached to it. Like I'm yeah. I'm okay with the stuff I wrote two or three or four years ago. I really like the stuff I wrote like this year. But I'm sure five years from now I'm going to say the same thing. I don't know if maybe it's just a creative thing where you, if especially when you're like evolving and getting better and like learn, like mm-hmm. you feel like you're learning and totally. it's, you know, you, you don't want to go back to like the drawings you drew in second grade, oh, totally. <laughs> like if you're drawing now. So I yeah. think that's how I look at it. It's, I mean, the ideas, like a lot of, some of the, also my ideas and some of these things have changed. Cause I think it's a little bit like my early stuff was preachy. And now when mm-hmm. I read it, I'm like, Wes, come on, man. What, like, what pull kind it of, back. what kind of preachiness? Uh, it was, uh, it was like set in the future and it kind of got on the, um, it was right around the time when. Uh, in like 2009, like the the crisis and everything, the response was, well, we have to do something. We have to like, you know, engage in these like massive programs of recovery and of uh, of uh, bailouts and we but need the economic to, crisis. You're yeah, the economic yeah, yeah. crisis in 2009, yeah, 2010, totally. and um, I just thought that was the absolute like that's not going to solve anything. Hmm. And so my kind of thinking was like, when there's a crisis, and in the book there is a crisis, and the response is like this heavy-handed response by the world, not just, you know, the gut in the U.S. government. And so, like, a lot of the book is about this, you know, cataclysm in the future where we, do, you know, we end up doing that overreacting and it doesn't really solve the problem. And uh, it's kind of like this kind of trying to readjust back to, like, a normal balance between, uh, you know, individual liberty or just, you know, the the proper kind of relationship between uh, the people and their uh, 
their government or things like Dude, that. That sounds awesome. So, that yeah. sounds like proper sci-fi. Like you've yeah. got <laughs> an actual real world occurrence that you are analyzing through a through like yeah. the lens of the future. That is exact like definition, you know, yeah. great sci-fi concept. That's awesome. Yeah, I just like I just would have cut I would have pulled back some of the preachiness, that's all. Like yeah. the story itself I wouldn't have changed and even now when I go through it I'm like, "No, this this cool story, cool world building." Yeah. Just like some of the dialogue, I just dial it back a little bit. That's all. Yeah. But, um, I'd imagine dialogue is probably the toughest. I think so. And yeah, maybe some of the kind of gratuitous little little inside jokes that mm. at the time I thought were clever, but now I'm just like, dude, come on. Can you give me an example? Uh I've I've I'm trying to remember a good one. I remember I tra- I thought I had a clever way of getting one of the characters to explain how the faster than light like travel worked. Uh-huh. And basically the, one of the characters explains it to a total novice who doesn't know anything about it and is going about to take the the travel for the first time. And uh, I, I basically set up this exchange where one explains it to the other. It's basically info dumping. It's telling you how mm-hmm. one of these technologies of the future works, which for me, I think is cool. Sure, but, I love that stuff. Yeah, I People know. complain about you that, have, but I love it. Yeah, but like, I just thought it was a clever way of like getting that in there without just saying, hey, by the way, this is how this engine works and we're going to spend, you know, four pages on it. Uh-huh. And in the end, like when I read other science fiction, like older novels or even newer ones, like a lot of them do the exact same thing. Totally. And so like, I was, I was like, man, I thought it was clever. Now I realize, no, everyone does this, Wes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those things that I think if you... It's it's the doing of it that is important, not if you're doing it. It's like if you are info dumping and you can make it interesting, it, it can mm-hmm. be for me like some of the most gripping like sci-fi that I love so much. Yeah, know? like uh, when you're watching the Terminator, you're just waiting all movie for someone to explain what's happening for like the first mm-hmm. hour. Yeah, and then you have this giant info dump in the middle where uh, Kyle Reese explains to Sarah Connor that he's from the future and that he's like here to protect her unborn child. It's so much story that comes out like in a couple of minutes and it's so gripping because Mm -hmm. you've just been so curious about it the whole time. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. When, when it's done right, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying like those big revelations, like the matrix in the second matrix movie, when he walks in and meets the architect (laughs) Yeah, and the architect just drops, just drops a huge truth bomb on him. Right. And how, what the, how the whole, yeah, I loved that scene. I love that too. (laughs) I, I, people complain about that a lot. And I, the first time I saw that movie, I was gripped by that scene. And then I, I was a, you know, a teenager or something. And then People were complaining about it. I was like, that was the most interesting scene in the movie. Yeah. And I do recognize, I I did recognize at the time that the language he was using sounded like someone trying to sound smart. Like, yes. Like a, a writer who did not have infinite intelligence trying to sound like they did. And that bothered me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I got what they were trying to go for. So I was behind it. And what we, I just watched that recently because we just did the, the Matrix sequels on trial. And oh, okay. That, that speech... I was really disturbed. I was really uh, distracted by all of those like hitherto's and here goes and air goes and all that stuff. And <laughs> I said the same word twice. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I was really distracted by it this time. And I don't know, but I still like the second movie more than the third. We're getting off topic. Yeah. Anyway, so you wrote a book, you, uh, and then where, where does it go from there? I just wanted to fully immerse after that. Um, I had a, I had a family that was really supportive and my brother who's, like he loves this stuff, but he does. He's he's into music, so that's what he that's where he's being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided I then they supported me. Like I want to have a website. I want to do this. The I kind of like want to be like part of the uh, you know the culture. 
and not just, you know, I was a right. fan, but I also wanted to like to generate content yeah. in a lot of ways, not just, you know, writing books, because writing books takes forever. And <laughs> and uh, so I I got the website, I, I launched the podcast, I realized how um, it's easy to set up, but actually having one, uh, you know, keep keeping the energy, like still making shows, making them interesting for other people, the editing, you know, the sound and everything. So it was... Yeah. I know it was a huge learning experience. I loved it. Uh, things kind of changed a little bit last year, so I put a lot of things on hiatus and uh, kind of, you know, uh, took a little time off to decide whether I still wanted to put time into a podcast, which was never going to generate money, and it was using up uh, time. Right. And so there's a certain point where, yeah, I love doing it, but, like, is it taking up too much time? And uh, this year, since uh, uh, I just decided, no, it's it's really not. Like the time time wise, it's not using that much. As long as I don't, uh, you know, I don't push myself to have one a, one a week mm-hmm. or something like that. Some pace I can't really maintain, and then you know the editing. So I was like, no, don't don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Just try to do like on myself. I was like, do a minimum of two a month, two yeah. to three, something like that. Something that is manageable is not eating up too much time to uh, and your other the other things I wanted to do like writing and of course I have work and. Um, so yeah, I decided to relaunch it, and I also decided to loosen it up a little bit and uh, do it with my brother. The other thing is he got a lot more uh, excited about doing it. Uh, his life changed a lot in the in the ensuing years. Before that, he was on the old show a few times, mm-hmm. but like scheduling conflicts, and you know we couldn't always like kind of find a topic to to do and everything. So I was like, this isn't really working. The only way this works is if you're going to be like a co-host, like every time, right? Uh, that's what I was looking for. Somebody to that's be a awesome. co-host all the time. And he, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, he came around to it and um, we, our schedule started to line up and yeah, it's been great ever since. We actually did a lot of practice shows before we put the two up there. Oh, nice. Yeah. We what did a like, good idea. Yeah. We did six or seven ones that we're never going to put up. We were just screwing around and then we would listen to them afterwards and be like, what parts of this make sense? What parts don't? And wow. Things like that. That's so. the kind of work that almost nobody puts in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're yeah, we're both like kind of professionals. Uh so yeah, we kind of took some of that like work ethic and put it to this a little bit. And we were both the same way. He's like, dude, I don't want to do this if it's gonna eat up all this time. I mean, yeah, it's fun, but you yeah. know, he's got a fiance now and all these other things and she's not part of the podcast. Hmm. It'd be cool if she was. Yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome, but I'm not <laughs> sure she I'm not sure she wants to do it. But yeah, so that's that's how I got the podcast. That's uh, been going at all this science fiction nerdy stuff for seven or eight. I mean, I've been a nerd my whole life, but yeah. in terms of like writing and podcasts, all this other stuff, like yeah, about seven years and freaking. Lo- I mean, I still love it. So yeah, that's awesome. I a lot of your story mirrors mine a little bit. Where I thought I was, so. Yeah. yeah, I was making this sci-fi synth pop music, and I wanted to make more for the sci-fi community. I wanted to engage more and be a part of the sci-fi community. So mm-hmm. that's basically. I think that's why I started the podcast. I, I say this all the time that I really don't know. I just kind of did it. And mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing now. Still, like, I, uh, I, I'm i in a transition period now, kind of like what you described, where I'm trying to decide if this show is something I'm going to continue with or yeah. if I'm going to put this one down and pick up something else. Um, but, yeah, I... I haven't made any decisions yet. I don't know. I, we're here recording one, so obviously <laughs> this is going to come out. Um, but yeah, I haven't recorded a podcast in months. Like the last one I did was Babylon 5 season four with Doug. Mm-hmm. And I I haven't found the will to put it out yet. It's it's so bizarre. Like I, I, 
I mean, I'll just, I guess we'll just, I'd, I'd like to talk candidly about it a little bit on the show because I, I try not to, but um, I'm still kind of processing it. And I think you'd be a good person to talk to about it because sure, you've yeah. been here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I love, I love making the show and I, I love having the conversations. I just haven't found a day where I felt like editing it, I guess. Oh, okay. I keep running into that where every time I think about editing the show, I, I start to think about how the, it's how it's not really, I feel like it's not really being heard, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I've i talked about this a, a few times at this point, but my audience is definitely not what I had thought it was. Mm-hmm. And then iTunes went through that thing where they changed how they were counting plays. Did this happen to you also? I w- uh, it, it happened around the time where I wasn't tracking it. Like, okay. I think it was in, it, I was in the middle of the hiatus. So oh, I, gotcha. it didn't, I, I already knew that my, my, my audience had shrunk down to nil. Yeah. I mean, it was already really low before I stopped and that's why I wanted to relaunch it and everything. So I, I didn't notice anything, but uh, yeah, I, I heard about it and I think I read about it a little bit and I was oh, like, yeah. well, doesn't make a difference because I, I had stopped anyway. At that's the time. lucky. Yeah, it was an existential exactly. crisis for me that I'm still trying to oh, solve great. because it was like a having of my audience overnight. And mm-hmm. then it was, it was so upsetting and I'm still kind of trying to parse through why, because mm-hmm. ideally I love making the show. I love having the conversations. It shouldn't be about that. You know, it shouldn't matter how many people are listening to the show. But I think that uh, the thing that kind of drove me to do this is to be a part of the community and mm-hmm. I, to be contributing to a community and to build community around the show mm-hmm. and to make a positive difference somehow. Like I want all of everything that I create to be positive for people. I just want to make as many people feel good as possible. And if I can yeah. put some good ideas into people's heads that I, well, according to me, <laughs> but I mean, things like, you know, love each other, respect each other, be empathetic, mm-hmm. like, let's be a global community, let's look out for each other. Basically, everything that T'Challa said at the end of Black Panther <laughs> in, the, in the, like the mid credit scene, like, that's what I'm all about. And having community is, is huge in that. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen without that. Otherwise, it's just me yelling into an echo chamber and like pouring energy into something that I'm not getting any energy back from. And, uh, and at the same time I started game streaming and immediately got energy back from that. And, you know, that's growing all the time. And I see numbers of that growing. And I mean, I, I'm like, it. I'm like more than double, like I'm like two or three times beyond any audience I ever had in the podcast, even when my audience was artificially inflated by iTunes mm-hmm. with the game streaming. And it really makes it feel, I really feel the void with the podcast is, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the, the people that listen to the show who write to me are amazing. And mm-hmm. like, you're one of them, you know, and it's awesome to get to meet you in the flesh. Cause like you were, you're a big part of why I kept going for as long as I did. Oh, cool. <laughs> because you're very supportive and you know, people like Evan and, uh, and a few others are incredibly supportive. And I don't, I don't want to diminish those, that support in any way by saying that, uh, I don't feel very much support coming from the podcast audience, mm-hmm. which is what really makes me believe that, that the audience is small, you know, when I'm not hearing anything back, when it's not like impacting people and, and it's not affecting people, it's not making the the type of change that I'd want it to be, because I'd hear about it. You know, now that I'm, now that I have a more of an audience with game streaming, I know that if I do something that someone likes, they're going to tell me, yeah. uh, unless they, uh, unless it doesn't impact them enough or they don't see it. Yeah. Um, if someone is, you know, really impacted by something, at least one or two people are going to write to me and I can hopefully, Hopefully, I impacted like 
10 or 20 people for those one or two people, yeah, I yeah. guess. That, I don't know. I Who knows? But, um, but it's just depressing to feel like I'm doing something that I'm putting so much time and effort into that is not having much of an impact at all. And, yeah. and it feels like, it feels like it's just not working to me. I, I want to do something that feels like it's growing naturally. I don't know. Does that sound gross? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's um, the the things that I've noticed with podcasts is one that once once they made it really easy for anyone to put something out there, like there's this rush, and I think a lot of it was like uh, a lot of these shows that people did. And I remember because you'll if you look on iTunes, it'll be shows where there's only four or five episodes, and then they gave up. Yeah, and those four or five probably should have never been launched because they didn't put any work into it. They just were goofing off. And I think when that happens, you kind of, it's hard to, it's, it makes it a little bit harder for the, the cream to rise to the top, so to speak. So I think a lot of people- there's too much soup. There's too much, yeah. So there, <laughs> I think there's like, uh, I think some people backed away from podcasts or maybe were not as like, oh, I don't know what this is. Maybe I'll check it out. Like they got a little bit more cynical uh, towards mm. it. So I think that makes it harder for podcasts or I'm sorry, not hard. Maybe it just takes it longer for it to grow organically. Sure. Uh, and I, th- and yeah, I think it's the, like you, you hit new and notable on iTunes or, or bust. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and yeah. And the other thing for me at least like I I unsubscribed from podcasts where I noticed that the the content generation was either inconsistent or right. they had just stopped. Right. Uh, there was one show, it was actually a really good show. I I won't I don't remember the name. I don't even think they do it anymore. But they they had a they had a couple shows. I went through their whole catalog and listened to stuff they recorded last year, or 2 years ago. So like even though maybe at the time they weren't getting a lot of listens, like they were starting to get them from me like right. 2 years later. <laughs> And I was like, well, it's cool. They have this big kind of body of work. And as long since none of it's dated, like you could, I mean, like your talk about Babylon 5, like people can listen to that this year or they can listen to it two years from now. It's already dated. dated. You can't date it any more than it's already been dated. It's not, it's (laughs) not like, well, you know, I was interested in Babylon 5 two years ago. Now I'm not. It's like, no, it's Babylon 5. You can talk about it whenever you want. (laughs) Right. Uh, Movie reviews, I think, are the same way. Um, Maybe like, I mean, I, I still listen to like reviews of like classic movies, like the, you know, sci-fi on trial or the uh, torture theater. Yeah. So like there, there's no dating it. Like to me, it's so I, I kind of try to look, come at it, like just generate content. You may not get any listens for a long time, but if somebody likes it, they'll, if they like one or two, they'll see they have this whole body of work they can burn through. Right. Before, before they have to listen to something new. Cause I know that, I mean, I've gone like two months without doing one or I've done like six weeks with that. And I realized like you can't really do that because that's one of the ways that I will unsubscribe from other shows. Right. Like they have two really good shows and then three months of nothing. And then the next show they did was just, you know, I was like, eh, whatever. And then I'm waiting. I'm like, come on, something. Just give me something. Then months go by and I'm just like, forget it. Like they're not serious about this. They're just, they had like two or three good ones and then they just dropped it. And yeah. so I, I, kind of feel like with pot like what gets me to keep doing is like look when if somebody likes it like a new one they just happen to come across it you know one of those like few come across it there's a good chance if they really like it that much they'll start listening to the old ones because it's not like the news you know mm-hmm. right <laughs> you totally. know so that's i mean that's one of the ways i kind of push it and i also kind of like put them in myself like you don't have to do one every week like for me mm-hmm. but i was like you got to do at least i mean minimum one a month like i was like dude if you can't do that then you shouldn't be doing this like for me right personally because i was like you know it is work to edit it it is work to think about it and whatever and i did get a little like upset at myself and also get a little down where like i was like man you haven't done one in two months and you have no good ideas for one all you really do is like for me like i was talking to myself 
like all you really do is movie reviews. You have nothing else to talk about. You can't get any of your co-hosts to like, you know, come on the show at the right time. Or if they do like, oh, sorry, dude, I haven't seen it yet. I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, well, then we can't do the show, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. And um, luckily that's not really a problem anymore. Like a lot of that stuff's gone away. And I, I, <laughs> yeah, I do have a co-host is great. Yeah. The co-host, um, my brother, he's a lot more like, he's a lot more energized. He's like, dude, we don't have to do movies or TV. We can just do, you know, whatever. And he's like excited about it. And so like it, we've gotten a lot, you know, there's like a lot more enthusiasm for both of us to do it. So it's, that's awesome. I think that's the reason if, if he wasn't really like, if he wasn't a part of this, yeah, I probably would have just stopped it permanently. Yeah. Like, so for me, that's, yeah, that was my kind of, uh, resurrection. (laughs) Yeah. Like doing a show alone is tough (laughs) because all of the, all, I mean, nothing happens unless I do it. Like Mm -hmm. every single step of the process of this podcast is a hundred percent done by me. Yeah. So if I hit a brick wall, the show can't come out. Yeah. And, and that's tough. You know, that's very stressful. Um, and I, I've really struggled to keep a, a regular schedule since my health flare up. Yeah. Which it happened two years ago, which is crazy. Like I've been out of work now for two years. Wow. I mean, the time that the podcast was doing the best was, you know, I'd say probably a year, about a year in, um, about the time that I had, that I went on medical leave, mm-hmm. um, was the, I, th- I think the best the podcast was ever. I'm not, I don't know. I don't even know because the numbers are, are not true. So I take that back. I guess it was the best the podcast was ever doing was right before the iTunes switch happened. That's when it was the best for sure. I'm, I'm, rem- I'm misremembering this. It was definitely then. Um, and I was on medical leave at that point and I was still managing to get out like two or three shows a month. Um, well, I, I can tell you my favorites. Uh, <laughs> the um, a lot of a lot of the Star Trek stuff because yeah. I'm a huge. Uh, the Next Generation was my show. That's really what turned me into a nerd is is watching Star Trek Next Generation when I was like nine, yeah, did or eight or seven or something. I, I don't even know. How, I, I think I was seven. Um, so like when you go through some of the old classic episodes, like you went, I think you went through all of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's like a few where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I didn't like that season. I'll just listen to the next one, and then like, and then you go through them one by one. The, um, the, yeah, sci-fi on trial, like mm-hmm. a bunch of those. I loved like almost all of them. Like, I just think it's hysterical. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Um, and then what was, yeah, fire, yeah, one of the firefly, the first firefly one. Yeah. Um, with Jane. Yeah. Like when it's, when it's one episode, like for, for me, like if it's an episode, like I loved Shindig, that was freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, but like if it was an episode, like, yeah, that's kind of the lower episodes. Come on, do this one. Get to the next one. Get so I was like. So th- those were like some of my favorite ones that you've done. And especially when you've had, um, you know, just various co-hosts, I think uh, on one of them, uh, what was his name? You guys weren't even talking about a movie or TV show. You were just talking about, I think he was uh, a minister at one point. Oh, and then Zach. He left. Zach. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. one was really good. Yeah. He's got his own podcast. That That's guy right. That's right. Talk his way out of any situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Zach's awesome. Yeah. Lo- Losing our religion is his podcast. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I I've been. I I don't know if you ran into this. It sounds like you might have run into this a little bit, but uh, you and I both did shows that were kind of all over the place. Like, yeah, we, just anything we wanted to talk about anything science fiction related, mm-hmm. right? Like, I wanted to have the, I wanted to have the option with this show to talk about whatever I felt like talking about with science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard that from a couple people that they would like just listen to the Star Trek episodes. I think that's the thing I hear the most often. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek is my number one fandom. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that I love the most. And part of me is thinking about like it might be easier to market a weekly Star Trek show or or not necessarily weekly, but 
just a Star Trek show in general. Like instead of doing a broad sci-fi show, if I just did, you know, something that was only on Star Trek in one way or another. And I have one specific idea that I don't want to share because I mm-hmm. it involves somebody else and I have to talk to them first. Oh, okay. Uh, otherwise, it would never happen. Well, but, you, uh, you might be you might be hitting your stride here, like with events because of Discovery uh, being launched and it's in season two or season three. It's about to start season two. Season two. Well, that's season right. two is coming soon. Well, they, anyway. yeah, they break the season up like with that like halftime thing. Right. So, yeah, that's that throws right. me so off. Season one yeah. was like two halves. Yeah, but um, they are launching like one or two new ones. Yeah. TV shows, including the Captain Picard show, which is Captain I, that's Picard. Insane. Like I've been I've been praying for that for years. I know, and I'm not even religious. That's <laughs> that's been my number one dream is yeah. to have a new show with like next generation characters and yeah. Captain Picard being the number one on that list. If I can only get one, mm-hmm. it's Captain Picard. Yeah. Maybe Jordi or data, but probably Pat- Captain Picard. <laughs> uh, so the fact that that's happening is crazy, but I was such, uh, I, I, I was so disappointed by season one of discovery yeah. that I don't trust anything that they're making now. And I'm terrified that this show is going to be terrible. And I mean, and the, I guess the one thing moving against into is I don't think they're going to make any more of those movies. Because yeah. I, I believe uh, Chris Pine and Helmsworth have That's backed right. out. That's right. Yeah, that, that the effectively... Kelvin universe is is probably dead, but we don't know for sure yet. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that actually. But <laughs> you know, I was really excited about the next one because it was I I love Chris Hemsworth and I love Chris Pine and I I love the opening scene of Star Trek 2009 where you meet you know Kirk's dad. So yeah. they were going to do a time travel thing where like Kirk's dad and Kirk mm-hmm. as an adult. I just punched my own microphone. Kirk's dad and Kirk as, a, as an adult meet. Mm-hmm. And that sounded so cool to me. Yeah. I just love that idea. And there's so much heart in those movies. I know that they don't get the, they don't get like the moral quandary of humanity mm-hmm. that is Star Trek. They just, they're missing that entirely. And, and I've been kind of okay with that just because they have so much heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty okay with it because they have so much heart. Like they get half of what Star Trek is to me, which is, you know, the relationships and the, the feeling of family among the crew. I feel like they really get that. And they, especially in the first one, they, that Kirk Spock dynamic was like golden in the first one. Yeah. Their casting is first rate. Yeah, totally. um, I love their selection for the big three. I love their selection for Uhura. Um, What's it? Carl Urban as Bones just nails it. He's like, so just good. fucking totally. nails it. So yeah. like casting wise, and I think idea except for like, Benedict Cumberbatch, who was insanely miscast. No, that, gone. that was yeah, insane. Uh, just criminally misused. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for for the crew, like the core crew, I think yeah, they did the core crew was so well cast for and, sure. But yeah, I just feel like the first one I could forgive because it was their first time together. They're all young. They're all straight out of the academy. Right. But it seems like they're not. They're the evolution is not really. It's not towards Star Trek. It's more towards like uh, Fast and Furious, and and yeah, it's just straight up action and like all the like stuff that, I mean, it's like all the jocks took over Star Trek. Like to me, <laughs> that's how the third movie was to me. I was like, this Interesting. is this is what happens when a bunch of jocks and people who don't who like like lasers and love spaceships but don't really didn't really like the show. They just like the al- shows where there was like battles. I've always felt like it was Star Wars people taking over Star Trek. Yeah, and yeah. I love Star Wars. And I love Star Trek, so it was kind of this weird hybrid that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I totally hear you because I was I do I do wish that they had a little bit more of that moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one tried, but the, the third one to me felt like a an average episode of Voyager. You know, yeah, basically, which is great. I mean, I I'll take that in a movie. 
I, uh, I'm, I, I don't know. Voyager's my least favorite Star Trek show. And by that's great, I mean better than most things that are coming yeah. out in the theater. Not necessarily that it's a great movie, but like I'll take it and I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. But I, I only watched Star Trek Beyond once. You know, I liked it and I really enjoyed myself. And I recorded my reactions with some friends, which was the most fun part of that for me was making the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But I actually haven't watched that movie since then, uh, just because it. Yeah, neither have I. It didn't. It didn't leave enough of a of a need to see it again because I felt like I got it the first time, yep. except for that sabotage scene at the end. I really loved. <laughs> I loved that. It's a thing now where they they play that music over every mu- movie trailer, no matter mm-hmm. what it is, and it seems and it fits. Yeah. So the totally. the song "Sabotage" fits to every any movie trailer. <laughs> you can go and try it. Like just pick whatever action or even non action movie and just play "Sabotage." Like the beats all hit. Yeah. And it's like, I gotta try that with. Uh, did you ever? Did you see the Lobster? No. <laughs> it's a. What's his name? Colin Farrell yes. and uh, Rachel Vice. I know of it. Very weird it. movie, but that's the trailer I want to try that with. <laughs> I That'd think it good. might work, um, but for their sh- yeah, but for your show, like they are, I think there's two new TV shows in addition to Discovery, yeah, uh, or at least they're in the works. It's kind of the same thing with uh, you know Star Wars talked about like oh yeah we're gonna have a live action show we're gonna have all these movies right and then Solo has some trouble all of a sudden everything's on hold right so totally. I mean so when they say like oh there's two or three shows in development that doesn't mean we're gonna get two or three we might just get one right but still I, if it's the Picard one and I think that one's real I mean if yeah, Patrick Stewart very, you, very you make that happen yeah if, if you if you teased me and you the cancel way, that there's gonna be a rebellion the only way it wouldn't happen is if if uh, Patrick Stewart gets the scripts because here's my worry um, mm-hmm. I know that they haven't written anything yet they said as much they said like Patrick Stewart was sold on an idea for a show yeah. and they told him what he wanted to hear to get him back. Mm-hmm. But what if they can't deliver it? I mean, what if they just aren't capable of writing something that is good? Because I I did I really didn't enjoy Discovery and I question if those writers could have written a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the first two episodes and I think three episodes of the main run past that. But Brian Fuller, you know, created the show and only made the, the two-part pilot. And yeah. then was gone. And then you had Gretchen Halberts, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Halberts, I think. I got them confused for a second. I still do that with Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Did I say <laughs> that right? Yeah, you got it. Okay, good. Um, they ran the season, but they were fired after season one for mm-hmm. being abusive to the staff and crew. Oh, great. For being like awful people, basically. Uh, and they were who was like on After Trek a lot talking about mm-hmm. the show. And they were just justifying all the decisions that they had made. And it was all stuff that I'm like, that's stupid. Like, mm-hmm. why you're justifying? Here's a, for me, a good example is, uh, a spoiler alert for Discovery. Uh, one of the characters was, have you seen Discovery? I've seen, yeah. I'm okay, good. Up. So Ash Tyler uh, has a mysterious backstory. It becomes like painfully obvious that he is not who he says he is before mm-hmm. it is then revealed that he is a Klingon. Mm-hmm. And they did this like ridiculous IMDB page for an actor named Javad Iqbal, I think, mm-hmm. who doesn't exist and whose only credit was as uh Voke in Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of figured out that Ash Tyler was Voke. Mm-hmm. And for months they pretended it wasn't true. <laughs> and then they kept talking about how they redesigned the Klingons to like rough up their look and make them look you know, a little bit more edgy and new and all that. But they, I, I'm convinced that they did it so that they could hide an actor in the makeup. I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> that that's why they did it. I'm totally yeah. convinced that the whole Klingon redesign was just so that they could try to pull a fast one on the audience. Mm-hmm. But they they sucked at it. Like, yeah. the fast one that they pulled was so not... I mean, so you could see it coming from a mile away. And a lot of people did. And I, I will never know if I would have guessed it 
if I hadn't read a theory on the internet about it first, because I can never change the fact that I read I, it. But yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have guessed it. Uh, actually, the the Discovery um, and the Westworld um, predictions, like the people were guessing like yeah. where the show was going. The Westworld one turned out to be absolutely correct. Because I read like when they figured out that two of the characters were the same person, uh-huh. one old, one young. Right. I'll try not, I'm trying not to spoil it, but it's first season two. So it's like, you know, from two years ago or whatever. And with Star Trek Discovery, I saw they had three or four fan theories. Uh-huh. And all... All of them came true. Three out of four were absolutely right. I read a fan theory about so how f- the whole show was in the Mirror Universe because the captain was a Mirror Universe captain, obviously, mm-hmm. which was pretty close to the truth. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the show kind of telegraphed itself in a way that was like, I don't know. I, I just, I really just didn't like it. I really no. didn't enjoy the storytelling. I thought it was so clunky. And the the show made such big deals out of moments that it then failed to develop and yeah. then made huge deals out of things that didn't seem like they should have been a big deal and then left stuff on the table that to me was a huge deal that they just walked away from. Yeah. I and mean, they killed all of my favorite characters in season one. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't feel any connection anymore to anyone on that show. I, I will watch season two because it's Star Trek and, you know, the Enterprise yeah. is there and Spock's coming back. I'm going to watch it. But my only enjoyment from the first season of Discovery was from uh, just like some of the production value was really good. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I it's a, it's a show in space on a spaceship. And I just love that always. That's like mm-hmm. my natural love. So I enjoyed it from a base level of, you know, this is, you know, a well-produced sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. But as a, I, if it wasn't a Star Trek show, I would have enjoyed it more. I think that as a Star Trek show, for me, it totally failed. And I... It's actually something that's kind of weird is that I, a lot of the Star Trek fandom doesn't feel that way. And as a sci-fi podcaster who talks about Star Trek a lot, to have such like a, a, a real distaste for the show has made me actually a little uncomfortable to talk about it because I don't like putting negativity out there that much, but I don't okay. have that much positive to say. Um, and it's made me like, it's made me back away from talking about Discovery a little bit because, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not too afraid to... to to go negative, but I don't watch shows just so I can get on a podcast and just bash it yeah. in a non-funny way. Just right. be like critical and kind of almost upset as a fan. I, so like I, I might watch season two. I probably will not never do a podcast on it for kind of the same reason. Yeah. I've already, I've already kind of, whether it's been in a podcast or on the, on the website and a blog post, I've kind of already made my feelings known about discovery. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to keep trashing it. <laughs> one one negative is enough. Leave it alone and just move on. Yeah. And just not comment on the show. I mean, I'll I'll probably watch it for the same reasons. You yeah. Know, it's a spaceship and it has some of the classic characters. I do feel like they're they get they they desperately try to get way too much mileage out of nostalgia. Yeah. Out of the classic characters, like oh, we'll we'll have everyone's favorite characters from the original show. Like, the original <laughs> yeah. show is fifty years old. They have very you, little tact about that. It's funny. They they throw it in there. I mean, the final scene of uh, right. season one, you know, the Enterprise. Right. And then and it's Pike. I'm like, all right, you guys are just, you're just trying to squeeze as much as you can. The worst thing for me is one. that that's the only moment in that whole episode that excited me. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> you're right. They are just only leaning on nostalgia. Nothing else about the show is fun for me. And the nostalgia no. is good. Like, I like learning more about Sarek. I like... I loved the episode where you got to go into Sarek's mind with Michael and learn a bit of, mm-hmm. about their past. I lo- I thought that episode was wonderful. And uh so I there was like hope there for a good show, but I did like 
at the very start, I th- it was probably the first three or four or five episodes. Uh, and it's, since it's been so long, I don't remember the character names. But um, the tall, the tall, uh, the tall alien uh, in the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I know who Doug pl- Jones plays. Yes, him. Doug Jones plays him. Uh, Saru. Saru. That's yeah, it. I right. liked Saru a lot in the first few episodes, uh-huh. and then I thought he was being used as like a prop because he was always se- he always seemed to be on the negative side of whatever the, the totally yeah. And I'm like. All right, so we're just ba- this is all just going to be like Saru bashing for the rest of the season, <laughs> I know. and like the only solution to anything is to use force and to be men and women of action. I'm like, no, Saru has a point, and Saru should get some respect in like one of these episodes because I liked him so much, but he never, he only really yeah. got it in the beginning. He did, he definitely His, had it in the beginning, but totally. And, and then what's the yeah? The episode that focused on Saru was so confusing and yeah, so badly explained what was happening, That's, and basically like Saru goes crazy and tries to kidnap Michael Burnham and and Ash, I think, and stop them from ever leaving this planet. Mm-hmm. And then the end, and you you think the whole time that he's under the influence of some alien thing, but you find out at the end that that was just him and it makes no sense it makes no sense <laughs> no like how could he be in starfleet if that's just him and it's not something that like tracked with his character before or after i i don't know i i i don't feel a strong sense of character from really anyone no. on that show except for uh dr colbert who i loved 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 and i love that actor and and i I was so attached to that character, and of course, we all know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And then I loved the the first security chief, uh, the the woman. I don't remember her name now. Um, I don't remember the character or the actress's name. She <laughs> yeah. was she was she was gone so quickly. She was gone in like two episodes, but she came back in the mirror universe. All uh, oh, right, Rekha Sharma, I think her name was the the actress. Okay. That's not. I'm probably mispronounced that. I'm sorry, but I love that actress and I love that character. I was like mm-hmm. a a badass, you know, female security chief that's even more badass than Tasha Yar. Bring yep. it on. I'm super excited. And she's dead, like, the next episode. I'm mm-hmm. like, God damn it. Give me something to hook onto here to keep me coming back. Because the only yeah. thing that kept me coming back was the name Star Trek. I'm already bashing the show again. See, here's the problem. <laughs> here's my problem is I can't, well, I can't talk about that there show. Are, there are false... I mean, it's a false start to me. I think they were having challenges to begin with. I also just... I, I, even before the first episode aired... I wanted. I was tired of prequels and yeah. and going so far back in the timeline. Totally. I'm like, guys, show me post Dominion War, post DS. That is what I've been saying for years. Yes. I'm like, please go post Dominion That's War. That's what I want. That's please. what I've been wanting. And so when I saw the reboot of the Star Trek movies, I'm like, okay, cool. Hopefully that's not the only thing they're doing. And then Discovery came out. I'm like, come on. No, no, yeah. no, no. Forward. This this show is about the future. I know. And Let's again, go to the future, Picard guys. Show, the Picard show is going to be that show. It has yes. to be that show. When he when he explained, he didn't he didn't go into much detail. And, and like I remember that same thing. None of it's written yet. Yeah. But it's Picard in a different point in his career. Yeah. And obviously, it's twenty years later. It's twenty. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So just right there. That's that's it. the show. That's post, yeah. Twenty years later is <laughs> post Dominion War for sure. Thank you. Yes, yeah. Finally, next gen ends. Uh, let's see, four years before the end of five years before the end of Deep Space Nine. Four years, something like that. They overlapped for what two seasons? Barely, yeah. And oh man, I used to know this. So. In the, yeah, and in the t- <laughs> and then memory sucks now. I think it's four. I think only a few years pass. The Dominion War actually on paper is only like four years or three years. Or yeah, something. yeah. It's really, it's really only the last couple seasons that are like the official yeah. Dominion War of Deep Space. Well, if you go to like the it start, builds towards it like for the whole oh, yeah. show basically because it's awesome. Well, the the Star Trek wiki page like 
likes to put down dates on yeah. some of these things, and they put down like you know twenty three whatever to twenty three. I think it's like four years, like on an Earth calendar. Yeah. So, and I think on the show, I think it's like two and a half seasons or three seasons, maybe. That sounds about. And right. roughly a season is a year, roughly. Like when right. they when they talk about these things later on, they so they I think used it's, to I think follow that's about that. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Like a season was a year. They kind of did that on Star Trek. I mean, they did that on most shows just because yeah. the actors were aging, and then Lost kind of did away with that, and then shows stopped doing it. <laughs> like now, you the show tells you what timeline you're in. Yeah, but it, I remember being a kid, and a year was a season on almost every show that I watched. I I thought they were gonna have trouble with uh, like Game of Thrones because they had a lot of kids in their cast. Right. And I'm like, how are they how are they going to explain in a few seasons these kids like doubling in size? Right. Because totally. it it takes them so long. I mean, just a few years. Like uh, Arya. Well, Arya doesn't. Well, Arya like matures, but she doesn't get that much taller. Right. But like Sansa gets a lot taller. Um, some of these other characters and Bran, and I'm like, what are they gonna do when these their voices start to crack? Like one of them shoots up to six feet tall, and they're supposed to still be a kid, yeah. like in the show. But they found a way around that because they they kind of say like roughly each season's a year. You know, it's kind of how they seem to play it. Right. Because they're now getting old enough to get married, and 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 I I don't know anything about the books. So oh, really? Like, yeah. So I only read the first book and. So as the show goes on, like I, I kind of see. All right, time is passing. So it's not like they're not going to have that problem. No, right, they're just right, going right, to say, right. "Oh yeah, the war's been going on for X amount of time." So these kids are growing up, you know. And yeah. So I don't know why I went on that tangent, but basically the point being, like, now you got me thinking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm oh glad yeah, twenty Star Trek twenty years later, Picard post Dominion War because it's That's roughly what... it's roughly twenty years from when TNG ended. Right. So like he physically is so twenty the war years would have been over for like fifteen years. We're looking yes. at like well past the Dominion War. And yes. that's that's the Star Trek that I feel like we need, you know? Like, Star Trek serves a purpose. The purpose mm-hmm. is to help steer the current course of humanity in a better direction. That is why Star Trek exists. You know, it's, it's to show you an optimistic view of the future, mm-hmm. and then through osmosis, it trickles down into our society, and things start to happen. Like, you know, the like the cell phone becoming real, it looks mm-hmm. just like the the communication device from the original series like a yeah, flip yeah. phone is you know like the tos communicator it looks just like it um and star trek has so much power to bring positivity and we are living in like the least positive times that i think any of us can remember and, and the original show came on in a very dark time as well mm-hmm. vietnam war and, yeah and we were not really in right around the time of watergate so I agree entirely. It is, it's utopian. It's like one of the very few utopian kind of uh, franchises or stories we have. Almost everything we have is uh, dystopian, post-apocalyptic, or it's just, you know, the real world, realistic. Right. I love that Star Trek was like, this is the future where we figured a lot of this out. Mm -hmm. And now it's paradise. I think Deep Space Nine even calls Earth paradise. Right. And for a couple episodes, like they refer to it as paradise. I love that about it. I love that it's aspirational. It's like, this is how to solve problems. And they work through like the scientific method. And a lot of times, like they're scientists or mm-hmm. they're engineers. That's how they're solving problems. Yeah. They are they're having conference people. rooms. They're thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, Worf getting shot down with his like knee jerk reaction to certain situations. And then other times Worf's reaction is appropriate. Yep. And now when I see the show, it is the salute, like, it's not aspirational. It's basically an action <laughs> yeah, movie it's an action where plan. you just need to be a man or woman of action. And that's right. how you solve problems. You know, just let the nerd stuff do their nerd thing. Right. But uh, we're going to get Chris Pine on a motorcycle. And that's how we're going to solve problems. And then we're going to get some, uh, uh, you know, sabotage on the radio. And I was like, no, like they're, 
And then they were telling the new recruit, you know, when you go to the academy, like, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of rules, you know, follow most of them, but not all of them, or, or whatever they said to her. And I'm just like, you, what is this? Like, is this like, like, no, it should be positive. It's like, no, the Acad- Starfleet Academy is, produces the best of the best. That's what it was. Yeah. They all came from the Academy. They all went into Starfleet too, and they all had this drive to better themselves. Yeah. That was, it wasn't about money or power or anything else, like currency's gone. It's about bettering yourself. And like, you got that from the next generation, DS9, Voyager, the original. They're all like, they're on a pedestal. And I guess the show is about them staying there and not faltering. And right. then they're seeing a, yeah. and then they're seeing aliens falter here and there. That was kind of like their device. Totally. But the crew didn't falter that much. Uh or in you know, they got close, but then yeah. they corrected. Uh, Deep Space Nine crossed that line a couple times yeah. in really interesting ways. And I like Deep Space Nine for me was all about throwing something horrible up against that optimism and see mm-hmm. what happens. And it it broke a couple times. Yeah, it did. And I think that that was great. You know, I I I think it brought out some of the best moments of the series. The one that I struggle with, uh spoilers for Deep Space 9 is Section 31, which yeah. they brought up again in uh Star Trek into Darkness, the whole idea that there's this mm-hmm. shadowy organization of like basically assassins yeah. who are uh like basically making this paradise possible by committing atrocities yeah it's the it's the overzealous cia that kind of keeps the world safe kind of thing yeah did you watch scandal no it's uh what was that organization called on scandal uh b613 i love scandal (laughs) (laughs) which is like a a shadowy organization that is basically section 31 from star trek i still struggle with that idea that that exists in the star trek world it kind of it kind of uh contradicts a lot of what I find so moving about Star Trek. I I always felt like the next show for me in my like in my like head canon, yeah. like the next Star Trek show was gonna be them healing after the Dominion War. And yeah. one of the things I thought would, would have been really cool is if they they snuff out section thirty one. Totally. Like later on. And then the same thing also with them coming to grips with what Cisco did to get the Romulans into the war. Totally. Oh um, my God, that'd be so good. Dude, bring, bringing that to light and the moral dilemma of basically, if you bring out the truth, you're probably starting another war. Yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, that'd be a great episode. Such a good Somebody episode. Somebody do that, please. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like, I don't, I mean, hey, if you have no, I'll write it, screw it. You know, um, that, that's <laughs> but, a shame that they never went down that road. Because they never had the chance. I mean, if they yeah. had done a movie, maybe that's what the story would have been. Would oh, that would have been good. Wouldn't that have been crazy? Yeah. Well, I guess the the, the story of the movie would have had to have been let's bring Cisco back somehow. Oh yeah, right. And then maybe that's the sequel. <laughs> I thought maybe like I don't know in my head like somebody's investigating what Cisco's gone. Yeah. Yeah. But um, someone's investigating and they go talk to Garrick and you know the people involved and they're trying to piece together oh, what oh, really they happened. Oh, they piece it together without Cisco. Yeah, that's okay. what I was thinking. Because yeah, I. Actually, and then he I, comes back from the from the the land of the prophets to yeah. at the end of the movie is kind of like the deus ex machina to Dude, like oh say, yeah I was there you know <laughs> I will tell you what happened yes, I did and, it and he like takes responsibility and then he goes but, back but he manages to thwart <laughs> the war somehow I, yeah. that'd be that's a great movie he is yeah he's a cool guy in real life by the way oh you've met Avery Brooks I met Avery Brooks at a at a. a sci-fi convention in denver about four years ago he was actually not having at the convention i was at the hotel across there was like three hotels they're using and one of them i'm just sitting at the bar just having a drink having lunch and because the next thing i want to go to isn't for another hour and i look over i didn't even notice he was there he was already there when i walked in i didn't notice him 
Hmm. He's like in an all like he's in all white, you know, he's just hanging out, having a good time. And I hear him talking to somebody. Somebody recognized him and, you know, wanted to talk to him. And he's just like this really cool, like, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah, you're into music. Like, yeah, you're you're an inspiration to me, Mr. Brooks, man. Like, how you doing to this? You're into jazz. You're like, you play an instrument, man? Oh uh, yeah, I used to, but you know, I, I just didn't really stick with it. Avery's like, you should get back to it, man. You should really get back. You know, that's that's your passion, that's your thing. You know, you need to so he starts giving this guy wow. advice like he's just he has this weird he had this weird way about him the whole time like and i and i walked up on him once when he was having a cigarette outside the hotel like later on in the day yeah and i'm, I'm i don't ask for autographs and i don't i don't like to bother celebrities i just kind of introduced like before i introduced myself i'm like hey dude huge fan and everything but i didn't want to bother him he's the one who wanted to, he started asking me all these questions no way. <laughs> and then like he re- he remembered my name later on like as wow. he's, he's putting out a cigarette and he's like how you doing mr fox i'm like <laughs> how you doing mr brooks he's like, like i think i'm friends with avery brooks <laughs> avery brooks remembered my name like <laughs> that's so cool yeah but he's yeah he was a cool he also did um a bunch of documentaries like he was the narrator Mm. Uh, for like these uh, biblical kind of documentaries about the history of uh, Palestine, Israel. Oh, yeah, I I wish I could remember the name. But when I was I'm a kid, liking... I had a VHS of something called The Planets, which was a documentary about space narrated by Patrick Stewart. It also had the it also had that dramatic music too, didn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. Did you have that too? I watched it in science class in third or seventh <laughs> oh, no grade. Way. Yep. I bought it. Like I'm like, mom, can we please get this? Because <laughs> it had his face on it. It had his face in outer space, and I needed it. Yes. You know, it was great. He, he also narrated a, um, yeah, it had to have been Patrick Stewart. It was this whole documentary on uh, the the biological basis for a dragon, if a dragon could be real. Oh. And so he's narrating kind of this, like, fake animal planet documentary on ancient dragons. And I'm just like, oh, this is totally plausible. Patrick Stewart says it's possible. It's possible. There could yeah, be dragons. We could totally. have been, yeah. Fire-breathing dragons is a real thing. He's just so authoritative. He is. Whatever he says. I mean, yeah. Well, that and that reminds me of, uh, I think when we started down this tangent, I was going to say that <laughs> like, I, what I want for the new Patrick Stewart, like Captain Picard show to be is a show about, you know, overcoming conflict Mm -hmm. in in the star trek world so that we can learn how to do it right now like a show about diffusing cultural tensions yeah a show about like examining people who exist on the same planet who have cult who have viewpoints that are so opposed that they can never agree how can those people get along you know like that's what star trek's all about that's the type of story it likes to tell and this is the time where we need that right now because we have you know we have yeah information and truth under attack so like learning how to think for yourself has become vitally important, and yeah, I, it doesn't matter what side of an argument you're on. Like you need to learn how to think for yourself, and I think Star Trek kind of talks about that and explains it, like talks about being a competent person who can do things yeah. competently because they have studied and learned how and gone mm-hmm. to Starfleet Academy. You know, they've earned their uniforms, and they're amazing, solid people, and like yeah. that type of role model is so important. Yeah, they're when I watch the old ones, the way their characters are, and I know the writers hated this about Gene Roddenberry. They're like, these characters need to have flaws in order to generate conflict and drama. He's like, right. no, yes, they can have moments where they falter, but these are all good people. Right? Like this is this is when we've overcome. These are the ideal. These are ideal. This is what we should aspire to be. Yeah. And a lot of them struggled with that because they wanted to create dra- uh, conflict and drama through. Uh, some of their character flaws and right. traits. The writers always complain yeah, about Yeah, the writers. This. And they were like shackled by these rules. Yeah. But, but uh, still, like, yeah. it, to me, 
sci- uh, science fiction, so much of it does what like th- what this current Star Trek is doing. Action, lasers, mm-hmm. conflict, uh, drama, character flaws, whatever. Star Trek was like the one thing that did its own thing. Positivity right. and aspirational. Absolutely. And I was and I'm like, you know, if you're gonna take the one franchise the one kind of story and franchise that does that and turn it into something else, I'm like, man, we're losing something. We need to regain right. it. It's not it's not the biggest following. It's not gonna be star it'll ne- this the fandom will never be as big as Star Wars. It'll never make a huge amount of money. That's not really what it was there for. Star Trek right. has always been one of those things that has the has those ridiculous fans that are just hardcore about it. It's not the biggest group, but they're the most, some of the most fanatical. Yeah. And that's what I was hoping for. And I'm hoping for this with, with Picard 20 years in the future. I kind of imagine him being a mentor to the next, some young captain or something. I don't know. Hmm. That's what I kind of feel like. That's another way of bringing in the next generation where Picard and maybe some of these other, some of the other crew members kind of make cameos here and there. And they're kind of trying to regain Kind of like what you were saying, like where we are right now, you want to regain some of uh, what you, what we lost, like in their case, the Dominion War and whatever. In our case, you know, the last two or three years, yeah, you know, regain some of that civility and kind of what we used to have like years ago. Based off of what you said, you know what I want now is a show where uh, he's out of the Federation. He's an archaeologist. He's just going from planet to planet. <laughs> yes. Like digging shit up. And he left the Federation because the truth about Section 31 came out and he was disgusted. Mm-hmm. And everything that he thought he believed in was taken away from him. And he realized that it wasn't the organization he wanted it to be, so he quit. And then uh, some young captain comes up to him and says, look, we're trying to put the Federation back together and do it right this time. And we need your mm-hmm. help. And that's how he gets pulled back in to rebuild this. Like Maybe there's like a Federation uh, or like a Starfleet like civil war of some kind and the federation is in shambles because of section 31 and then it's all about like rebuilding that positive future on a more solid ground that could be awesome i liked that i'd do that that'd be amazing i i always wondered if they were going to put him as a teacher at the academy if they did like a post <laughs> or post a Picard, yeah <laughs> he's yeah he's the, the gardener <laughs> <laughs> like they walk by like we've been offering you a professorship for years and all you want to do is garden He's and like, but look at these radishes. <laughs> yeah, because you guys do a terrible job. Like, <laughs> yeah, even then, he's like not satisfied. He's like, no, you guys don't do this right, so I'm going to do it. So. Yeah, and didn't when when they were stuck in that elevator or in the elevator, the the turbo lift, he made that kid the like deputy in charge of radishes or yes, something. Yes. What if that kid is now his like gardening assistant <laughs> and he's actually in charge of the radishes? That is the show. There. It's just gardening with Picard. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. You think you're watching a Star Trek show, and it's them just. It's just a buddy comedy. They're just <laughs> of of Captain Picard, like in a straw hat, gardening. It's on the Starfleet yeah. grounds. That is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, and occasionally somebody tries to offer him a job, like we want you back, and he's just like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we know we can do comedy because uh, did you watch his show, his Showtime show? What was it uh, called? Uh, no, man, I I. I, I wanted see to see it, it. I didn't I see really it. I really want to see it. It looks so funny. He's uh he I remember him in Robin Hood Men in Tights. He only had one scene. Yeah. And we shall name them Johns. <laughs> Make him part of the tour. <laughs> yeah. I and love I, that. And I've seen him in Shakespeare. Um they did a uh, Hamlet and uh he plays uh, the uncle. Did you see that on like on the screen or on the stage? Uh no, it was a BBC. Uh, oh, cool. no, it was a movie. But uh gotcha. yeah, and it also has Matt Tennant as uh Hamlet. Oh wow! And everything. So yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Wait, and Matt Tennant. Who's Matt Tennant? Uh, the Doctor. Oh, David Tennant. David Tennant. Sorry, you're thinking yeah. Matt Smith 
and David Matt Tennant. Smith, David Tennant. When he said had a baby, Matt and, Tennant. Yeah. I'm like that. I know that person, right? I'm like, no, wait, who is that? <laughs> they had a baby, and he's yeah. Hamlet, and no. he's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> the most beautiful man alive. He's got two sonic screwdrivers. I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like I feel like whatever Star Trek show comes out next needs to do something that's like healing. Yes. And I, so I actually, this is something else that has been kind of getting in the way of my podcasting recently is that I've been really disturbed by what's happening in fan culture for the last yeah. couple years. And it really has reached a fever pitch with, uh, with a star Wars fandom in particular Yeah, where the, the sexism and the um, racism and mm-hmm. just like general disgusting hatred is coming out through the Star Wars culture and the way yeah. that like Kelly Marie Tran has been treated and John Boyega has been treated and I, I guess Daisy Ridley also. I mean, all three, like most yes. of the stars, any diverse stars in the new Star Wars movies have faced some real serious racism. And now Kathleen Kennedy is being called to step down because people hate Solo so much, which was a, was a good movie. Like Solo was, yeah. it wasn't terrible, but I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah, mo- yeah, moving along to the other super franchise, but I I agree entirely with with the culture thing because I I stopped going to um, sci fi conventions a few years ago, not fi- not because of that, but just because timing wise and, and yeah, and sometimes they're just some are a lot of fun, others they're they're clickish, and I did get some of that experience at one I went to, and I won't give any details, but I I definitely saw that, and I'm thinking that this is this is the genre like we're supposed to be the genre that's like forward thinking, right? And instead, I hear some of the most bizarre criticisms of new movies, of new concepts, of reboots. And I mean, all this stuff about uh, Johnny Boyega, I don't understand it. Or or uh, Kelly Tran, I don't understand it. They're, yeah, they're I don't know why you hate them movies. so much. Yeah, it's racism. Like It's it's got to be pure and simple it's run, racism. You're, run, yeah, you're running out of like legitimate, like if you're trying to say, oh, no, it's not racism. They're just terrible. Like the more I hear people speak, especially after two movies now. Mm-hmm. So now you have two movies to of, of this character. Who, I mean, Finn. I I watched the movie. I'm like, dude, Finn's a fun character. Totally. He's a funny. I mean, he's funny when he doesn't. He's not trying to be funny. He is funny. Right. Like he doesn't tell jokes. He just is naturally like just with what goes on with him. He's a funny guy. Like, he's great in that part. The yeah. the part could be better written, sure, but he's great in it. Yeah. You know, and she's fine. she's fine too. So I, yeah, they're like, oh, she's horribly miscast. Like, oh, like yeah, the the ugly sister survived. I'm like. Oh, See, that's, that's horrible. Of, that is horrible. It's really, dude, it's really bothering on. me. And I, I, we talked about like the reason we started podcasting. And for me, this was yeah. all about putting out something positive. Yeah. And, and I'm running into this wall of realizing that like this is the, this is the community I'm trying to join, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize it. You know, like uh, with game streaming, I know that gamers can be awful and oh, we, yeah. they're just not allowed you know on yeah. my channel and we just have mods and we just keep them out and and uh, trolls come in all the time and say horrible racist things and I've had some really strange things said to me about being jewish and I, those people just get banned they're just not allowed you know people do that just to know. get a rise out of me yeah because i'm trolls, live you know trolls in general yeah, yeah yeah totally and like troll culture is huge in gaming and it's just something that we have developed tools to deal with mm-hmm. and i I haven't, I mean, I've experienced a little bit of it in the sci-fi world, which really surprised me because I didn't expect to find it there. Um, I mean, not much about me personally, because I'm not well known enough, but about like opinion trolling, like where there's just, you put your opinion out there and people like, well, you're obviously stupid and like an ugly and a horrible person and fuck you, you know, because your opinion about this movie is different. 
and and it's made me a little um I don't know, it's it it makes me feel uncomfortable putting negative opinions out there because yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. Like I don't want to be a part of the the negative like groundswell of disgustingness that yeah. is coming out of fandom around Star Wars recently or just around, you know, any fandom. I mean, it exists, but I feel like right now it's the most toxic in Star Wars and it's really tricking me, like tripping me out the way that Last yeah. Jedi was, you know, vilified because it's so much better than the prequels. I, we, we did a, yeah, my brother and I did a review. I don't think we, I don't think we're going to put it up, but we did a review of Last Jedi. We both loved it. Oh, good. And we were, we went through the criticism. I told him like, look, I didn't, I didn't take any of the ugly criticisms that had like no, um, I was like, look, we, we're going to, for 30 minutes, we like just said, love the movie, man. It's just so much fun. Like, I love this scene. I love that scene. You know, what about this? And then from like, all right, let's just go through like the three most like legitimate criticisms and le- by legitimate, I mean, like you can understand why the other person would say that instead of, oh, I just, I just hate Finn. It's like, that's right. not, a, that's not a criticism. That's just vitriol. And we went through them and like one was like, you know, the first battle being kind of silly with like gravity bombs in space and like how the first battle just, just felt like a little goofy. And we're like, yeah, it's goofy, but the battles in the original movies are goofy too. Yeah. Like it doesn't like, this is not a fit. This is not a physics seminar. Like these are, this is space action. You know, this is like <laughs> world war two in space with fighter planes and that's part of the fun. So yeah, right. maybe the, maybe the bombs falling on the dreadnought was a little goofy. All right, fine. It was, but did it really take that much away from the movie? No. Then yeah. I, I was trying to remember, there's like two other things, but we kind of like talking about like, all right, fair enough. You didn't like that. But seriously, does that really kill the franchise? Come on. Right. And that's how I kind of felt about all the things. And like, oh, well, she's supposed to be Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter. <laughs> I'm like, actually, I love the fact. And I don't know if they, they'll stick to this. I keep hearing right. that. They might. That JJ. Maybe it was a lie. Yeah, yeah maybe it was a maybe lie. Maybe Ray's parentage was a lie. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that also. Yeah, I don't. I've seen the movie three or four times. Yeah. I, don't, I don't buy it. I hope they not. Could. They I could. I hope not. But I, love, I loved it. I loved yeah. that choice. I, I loved all the big choices the movie made. Yeah, so um, did I. My only issues were in the execution of like some of the stuff in the middle. Yeah. The whole, like, the whole uh, mutiny among the resistance with Poe Dameron like I I did not like that storyline but uh and then the whole thing on the casino I felt like was like dragged out but I loved everything else like all all the choices of what to do with Luke and Leia and like where the story went I thought were all great and if if anything was done in a way that didn't like 100% satisfy me mm-hmm. I like the way the old Star Wars movies do you mm-hmm. know I'm not expecting it to I'm yeah. I'm hoping for something that the bo- like the backbone of which is mm-hmm. something I can get behind and if that's the case, then I'm going to be satisfied. I'm not looking to be like 100% satisfied. I'm looking to be yeah. not, you know, I'm not. I'm just hoping to not be actively angry at what they've done. Like I feel kind of with Discovery sometimes actively angry. If you, Yeah, if, you, if they would have gouged out the heart of, like, to me, Discovery in, in some ways has, to me, like, beyond, Star Trek Beyond did. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I mean, and the show. I mean, they're not... It's it's fun to watch. It's exciting. It's it's dramatic. But to me, like just call it Discovery. Take Star Trek off. I mean that mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I look at it. If it was just Discovery, it'd be a really cool show. But it has Star Trek on there, so I have an expectation. Right. Star Wars is the same thing. Like it's Star Wars. It's the characters. I have an expectation as a fan, and my expectation was absolutely met. Now, is it yeah. the movie I would have made now? Yeah. But no, they didn't call me to to make right. the movie. So, like, guess what? You don't get to get the movie you exactly want because you didn't direct it, you didn't write it. Other people do it. Totally. Let it let it go. It's not your. It's not the movie you wanted, dude. It's still a. 
I mean, and I, I just love the fact that her parents, I was, I was kind of hoping halfway through the movie, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually hoping that her parents are nobody. And then when I got that, I was totally happy when I argue, I don't argue with people, but they're like, oh, he, I think she's still somebody's daughter. I'm like, why? I honestly, I'm okay with her being a nobody. Most of the Jedi are nobodies. Mm-hmm. It's only the Skywalkers that have like that royal bloodline. Right. Uh, most Jedi from the prequels, for example, like they're the only one in their family that's a Jedi. Right they're the first ones because it's not supposed to be genetic. It's supposed to be anyone can be a Jedi. Right. Anyone can and be a hero. that's what I love about yeah. Star Wars. Which that's is what why, I love. Which is why midi-chlorians were like such a big deal to yeah. people because it took that away. Yes. And when I think about, uh, when I think about angry fandom, I, for me, the time that I've been the the angriest was about midi-chlorians. That like, was rough, yeah. That, that was a hard... That was, I was a kid when that happened. And for me, it was like a serious loss of faith in Star mm-hmm. Wars thing where like my favorite thing in the world was proved to be something that might be dumb to me. <laughs> and I, you know, obviously all of this is dumb and <laughs> it's all, it's just for fun. But like the reason that I care so much is because I just love when other people are trying to put out a positive message through a story. You know, I just mm-hmm. love when people try to shape change through story. I think that's really powerful. And I think that Star Trek is like one of the best examples of that. It's a great, to me, it's like the American, like, it's kind of like when we look back on the Greeks and we hear, we read about their myths, like Zeus and Hercules and everything. And we kind of wonder if they really believed in that stuff, it was religion or not. I think thousands of years from now, when archaeologists are going through the remains of American culture, they're going to see the Star Wars stuff everywhere. And they're going to be like, man, do you think that they must have really believed in Jedi? Maybe that was their religion. Yeah, because like the rest of the evidence is like so they're just trying to piece together what were we like, and they're like, yeah, well for a while they there they all worshipped this Luke Skywalker dude. Yeah. I don't, and this <laughs> there's this satanic person George Lucas. I don't I don't know who he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, and like the as I've gotten older, I've I've started to feel like the hatred towards George Lucas is kind of disgusting, you know. And it was something that I took part in when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. So I've started to feel like there's enough negativity out in the world if i don't like a tv show like making content about it seems excessive you know yeah. it seems like i'm adding to the negativity and it has kind of made me take pause a little bit about what i'm doing cuz the problem is that i can't lie i mm-hmm. i can't i i just like that breaks my own code to lie mm-hmm. about something i'm not going to say i liked something if i didn't like it yeah yeah and i can't avoid talking about stuff like this Um, so it like puts me in this weird position where I feel, I've started to feel like, I've started to doubt my own show for the first time, I guess. It's kind of, don't doubt it. (laughs) It's an awesome show. Well, but what if, what if I doubt my show and I put this down and I pick up something else and I refine it and it, and it's better. I've actually thought about stopping podcasting and just moving into live streaming instead for the sci-fi stuff. Cause I've done it a couple times. Like we did, uh, a live stream about the last Jedi and about solo and about Avengers. And it's been, Oh, uh, you mean when, yeah, you guys were talking about, uh, it was like the three of you on the couch uh-huh. the live stream. Yes, I did yeah. see that, uh, but I, I didn't watch it live. That's the problem. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The cool thing about it is that if you don't watch it live, it becomes a podcast and yeah, I don't have sure. to do any post-production, which is the part that I get stuck at sometimes. Oh, um, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. But then on top of that, like, also, you don't have a choice. It's already out there. It's so already you, out you there. can't yeah. you can't like feel reluctant because you, you're not sure if it's your best or whatever. Right. It's already out there. So. Right. I okay. put out a lot of episodes that I'm not sure were my best, but I do I do go through and edit some things out if I'm really uncomfortable with what I said. I 
which I can't do anymore with live streaming. So I just, I don't go back and listen to them again. And that's my, that's my secret for just being okay with it is <laughs> I just don't know what I said. You know, I, I said it, I'll just leave it out there and it's, yeah. and I move on to the next thing. Yeah. My week, my weakness is getting preachy. And sometimes mm-hmm. we go on a, we, we go on a little bit of a tangent. And when I listen to it again, I'm like, nah, I want, I'll take these two or three minutes out. That's yeah. normally all I do. Like yeah. it's, it's an hour, hour of 20 minutes. And there's like usually three or four minutes where it's either me or my brother or both of us. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is just us kind of like lecturing and being preachy and not right. really, not really having a conversation. We're just kind of like almost, we're not being mean, but we're almost kind of like waving our fingers at someone I'm like, nah, no, this is not what people want to listen to. And yeah. that's not what I want, like my voice to be when I put it out there publicly to be listened to. Like, yes, I do sometimes like kind of go on the side there, but like, I know to me, there's a line or there's like a boundary. And if I have a chance to edit it, I'll edit it out. Yeah. And, um, that's, that, that's kind of like where I probably can't do live stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would be way too worried. I'd probably like afterwards, listen to it and just be like, Oh, Wes, you were doing so well. Then you had to start talking politics. God damn. <laughs> but, um, no, I love that. Um, that might be, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the way you want to go. That's a great thing. Cause you're still putting out content. It's right. just a different form. And I'm, there's something about talking about science fiction that I just like am addicted to mm-hmm. and feel the need to do. And I don't under I still don't understand that. And I feel like trying something different might reveal to me what it is that I'm trying to do. And something that cool that happened in a couple of the live streams, I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember somebody saying something about the movie mm-hmm. that I had something to say in response to that was about tolerance or empathy or something about how, like, I understand that point of view, but like, mm-hmm. like these, like, something about something I don't remember where I felt like I imparted a piece of positive positivity to that person, uh, which may be like my own hubris. Who knows if that actually happened, but that's what it felt like was happening to me. And that felt like I was serving a purpose. Even if there was a small audience, it's mm-hmm. like, well, at least I got to, you know, like I, the, I, I can think of a concrete example from a game stream where this happened, where um, like Andy came home from a Black Lives Matter rally and said that that's where she'd been. And someone in chats, I don't remember who it was, but they said, you know, I can see why you would go to that. But I mean, that movement is like, you know, ignoring the fact that all lives matter. And I think it's kind of offensive, which I found kind of offensive because like that misses the whole point of Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, we have a, a huge portion of our society that is like much more likely to be shot out by police and killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that's very important to know that that type of systemic racism is life threatening. And that's, and black lives matter and people aren't recognizing that. And we need to recognize that. That's why that movement exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gave me the chance to say that to a, like however many people saw it, like several hundred people, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that felt like, Really good, because, like, that's something that I can get behind no matter what, where I can say, like, if someone else trolls me for doing that, it's something I was proud to have said, and it mm-hmm. gave me a moment to say something that I felt like other, other because there's a lot of kids that watch me, like, that kids can, if they're not confused about this or their parents say that, like, black lives don't matter or whatever, like, someone that they have some sort of relationship says otherwise, yeah, and yeah. if I can be that person, that's very valuable to me, and... I, I need stuff like that to keep me creating, you know, mm-hmm. as far as doing the type of content yeah, yeah. creation that a podcast or a live stream is, which is just constant. Like, you you do the same thing. Like, you write books. I make music. We have a, a slow content that we are very mm-hmm. passionate about. And 
Yeah. I would guess that you might be more passionate about telling stories than about podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more passionate about making music than about podcasting. I love both. I love mm-hmm. podcasting. I'm very passionate about it. But music's kind of my extreme passion. But it's so slow that I don't get to share it that often. And I wanted to be a, you know, to have a voice in another way during that time. So I picked up a podcasting, which is an imperfect like art form basically yeah yeah if you even want to call it an art form it's just content you're just making stuff all the time and putting it out and there's something so satisfying about that and i I want to keep doing that and i'm trying to figure out the best way and i'm looking at like if, if i don't have an audience what are the things that keep me going and those moments are things that i come back to and i feel like if i can find a way to to encourage that to happen in a sci-fi discussion it's going to make me want to keep doing it you know? I I do you know I I do agree like I try to be I'm trying to be a lot more positive I mean I know we've we've kind of ragged on things like today but that's the but thing like, I can't um, help it I can't yeah help it's it. it's true but like when like when I write book reviews like every book I read I I write a review on Goodreads.com mm-hmm. and I always even if I didn't like it I try to like you know I do a summary of the book with no spoilers you know what's the book about basically re rehashing the blurb they have. And then, you know, I try to talk about the things that went right with, you know, in my opinion, just, mm-hmm. you know, what, this is just one guy's opinion. And normally that's the way I try to write it too. Like, look, this is just my opinion. So may, if you're into this stuff, you might really like this book. This just really wasn't for me. You know, that I try to say it that way. I don't like to say this book is total trash. The character development's junk. This, And I, I try, I don't, I guess maybe I'm, I'm with movies. I try to do the same thing, like with yeah. the prequels and with midichlorians. Like I kind of say, well... The midichlorian thing, yes, silly, but did it really impact the story after that? No. Yeah. Like, they don't yeah. talk about it ever again. So, like, as far as, you know, Star Wars, like, crimes, I'm like, all right, they committed the crime once, but it doesn't it doesn't play after that. So, it doesn't do any kind of real damage to the to the saga. So, right. so I always try to, like, balance it out. That way, I don't feel like I'm, uh, like, a lot of, like, political commentators, for example, like what they do is just basically criticize the other side and hey mm-hmm. look at this video of this person acting crazy who's a you know who's on the other side of the issue like or what about this this is outrageous basically just feeding anger right and i i try to feel i, I try to do something different i think you definitely do it too like probably I try. more <laughs> you do it better than i do because i do sometimes like when i'm trying to make a point sometimes it, i i don't balance it that well but like with star wars in particular i think this is the one rule i was trying to get to all that nonsense uh <laughs> When people say, like, a new movie or a reboot, like, ruins it, like, ruins the franchise or ruins the original or spoils it, I don't think that's true at all. If mm. there is a bad Star Wars movie, like the prequels, I mean, we all still love Star Wars. We all still right. love the originals. We're all still huge fans. We also acknowledge the first one's terrible. Did it really ruin the franchise? No. We still love it. I mean, we yeah. still love the movies. We're still looking forward to all the new shows. I mean, when Force Awakens, like, did what it did... Like, it awoken a lot of people, like, you know, no pun intended, <laughs> but, like, it kind of, we all remembered. And now, like, there's Star Wars stuff everywhere, like, on memes, like, jokes on TV, like, the, the every movie that comes out is huge. So, a bad Star Wars movie doesn't kill the franchise, and a bad movie in any franchise won't kill it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when, so that's why I don't get that angry, like, when Solo, which to me, Solo was an okay movie. Yeah. I didn't love it, but I mean it's not a bad yeah, movie. I didn't need it, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I wasn't I was I think we I think we all learned from that movie and it, and I I think Kathleen Kennedy takes too much junk. I think she's doing a great job I to do be too. honest. Like, For, she's Have she's, you seen Rogue One? It's fucking amazing. Dude, the last thir- uh 
I showed somebody, uh, I'm like, you want to see the cool scene in that movie? I'm like, well, to me, the cool scene in that movie is when Darth Vader just goes to town yeah, in that course. hallway. Yeah, of course. And, I'm, and you just see how terrifying, like, now you remember why you were afraid of him when you were a kid. Yeah. Like, he's a terrifying villain in black. And there's just nothing any of them can do about it because they're just firing weapons at him. He's just batting him away. And he just fucking rip, he rips through the ship and almost gets the plans back. Right. And you see that, even though he doesn't say anything, you can't see his face when he's standing on that. You still have, you can almost look through his mask and see how angry it is that that ship got away. Mm-hmm. And then A New Hope starts and mm-hmm. he, he gets on the ship and you see why he's so angry when he's he's like, rip the ship apart. Yeah. You know, he's still angry. He's like, and it, it adds so much. Like, it doesn't detract anything from the original movie and it adds a whole other layer of emotion on top of it. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah. The last 30 minutes to me, the movie, like the first part of the movie, I was like, good, good, good. But the last 30 to 45 minutes is masterful. I agree. It is, yeah. the, it is a perfect ending. I don't think... I could spend days talking about the ending, and I don't think I could think of a single thing to add to it. Yeah. It is awesome. The it's, last 30 minutes it. is fantastic. Yeah, I, I showed all the Star Wars movies to Andy when we started dating, and uh, that's the last one we watched. And she was like... <laughs> well, okay, spoilers for Rogue One. Everyone's seen Rogue One. But I feel... I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful about spoilers today because we're <laughs> going all over the place. Yeah, we are. But uh, she looks at me at a certain point, and she's like, are they killing everyone? She's like, they, they're not going to do that. That's too messed up. They're not going to do that. And and then just like sitting there and experiencing that with her was really awesome, you know, to to get to, for me to relive that moment of realization that yeah. they, they are going to kill all of these characters and to realize how, how much you cared about them already because mm-hmm. they did such a good job of setting up who they were and, um, and why you should like them. Yeah. And uh, in the same way that episode four did that, you know, the... Back in 1977, you love those characters by the time you're done with the first movie. Mm-hmm. That's critical. It's so important. Yeah. And I actually think The Force Awakens did a really good job of that. I think that yeah. that's like... I mean, I, I loved Ray, Poe, and Finn after The Force Awakens. You know? Yeah. I was super excited to see more of them. Um, so, but yeah, to see that look on her face when she realized that that was happening, it, you know, it was, it was really cool to kind of experience that again vicariously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... That's the th- the third time I saw it. I watched it at home recently, and the first mm-hmm. time I'd seen it at home when I watched with Andy, which was like a few months ago, recently being a few months ago, uh, and it made both of us cry. And I was so amazed that like my third viewing of that movie could still make me cry because it's mm. so goddamn good. And yeah, speaking of yeah, that movie Rogue One doesn't make me cry, but the ending is just so f- it, it's so amazing. Yeah, the one movie that uh, I still to this day, and there are it, talk, speaking of a franchise with like bad movies and good movies batman is my mm. favorite uh favorite uh dc marvel character or any of the comic okay. heroes character i love and of that that's my favorite character and the movies with christopher uh christopher nolan's movies oh yeah are by far the best superhero movies in my mind they're my favorite yeah. and watching the ending of dark knight rises where he sacrifices himself mm-hmm. um Shit, I probably should have said spoiler first. Huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> Whatever. But Dark Knight Rises, like, allegedly. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I tear up when I see the end of that movie. Like, yeah. uh, when they're show- I mean, the very end of the three movies, and, uh, like, you see the the kind of epilogue for everybody, and then you find, you know, you, f- you find out the kid's, you know, real first name is Robin, and all that. So yeah. I was just like, this is so cool. This is, like, the most, <laughs> this, this is, like, my favorite story, and you did it so well. Thank yeah. you. Then, you know. Batman and or Superman versus Batman comes up, and I'm just know, like, uh, oh well. 
I still have the Nolan movies. So yeah. I'm all right. I loved the first two and I actually did not care for the third one. Oh, yeah? So what this is actually, this is coming, bringing back to that point. Because I don't like that one and because I'm someone who has a platform where I share my opinions, mm-hmm. as someone who loves that movie, wouldn't it just like drive you crazy to hear me pick it apart like scientifically about why I thought it was bad? I no, I've learned to like kind of like become more laissez-faire about it. Like okay. so I've I've gotten a lot better. I think in my early episodes I definitely was more defensive and would want to get into an argument. But now like when I especially when it comes to like uh art, movies, TV, yeah. I'm kind of more like, you know what, as long as you're as long as like it's not something trollish which I know you don't do. Yeah. But I have heard some people like, oh yeah, well he's, you know, he's just such a, you know, the director or he's such a prick. He's so mean to women. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I never met the guy. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I, that you're not even talking about the movie. <laughs> right. Just like as an, just as an example, you know, like you they, can't see that in the movie. You can't see that in the movie. And in some cases you're like, yeah, maybe so-and-so who helped make it was a horrible person, but the art is, you know, can you separate it? You know? Yeah. Miles, what do you want? <laughs> Miles is freaking out. Come here. No, so I'm fine. Yeah, trash it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I've started to question if that's, if, if doing that in an honest way where I'm trying to be fair about it is sure. in and of itself a bad thing because I, like, what if I convinced somebody who loved it to not like it? Like that, that was a, that was a waste of time if I did that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk someone out of liking Discovery if they like it, you know? Mm. I, that's not, that's why I actually really slowed down on Sci-Fi on Trial too is because that's what that show is about. Yeah. It's about like, if you think something is good or bad, you know, and for me, it's like morally good or bad. That's how I judge movies. It's like, oh, okay. Is is uh, a good movie is one that has good morals that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. You know, like Black Panther was a great movie because the morality yeah. of it was fantastic. I keep bringing that up because that's the that's the most intense experience of that that I've had in the last couple of years where I watched mm-hmm. a movie and I like I want to rally behind this message because I love it. You know, that's how that's what I want to talk about. And podcasting, that's I feel that most about sci-fi, and that's why this show exists. So, uh, but but on on the other side of that, something like Star Trek Discovery that misses the point and has like that show seems to like to disintegrate its characters for no reason. You know, there's that time loop episode where they kept killing everyone over and over. Yeah, yeah. There's like excessive graphic violence because of Game of Thrones. There's excessive deaths because of Game of Thrones. They specifically said that mm-hmm. that they're trying to emulate that, and I question. I question Game of Thrones already, and I like Game of Thrones, and I watch it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I wonder sometimes, like, is this level of disgusting, like, is this is this level of the portrayal of disgusting human qualities helping? Like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And and I, I, I don't know. Like, I think that Pan's Labyrinth is a great example of a movie that is very violent and mm-hmm. dis- really disturbingly violent and graphic in its violence but was such an incredible movie and like looked at what war can do to a family and to a little girl in particular and like the horror of the world and how that can affect somebody um, and how it affects their imagination and the way that they think. And you can take so many different things for that movie and the violence is a part of the visceral experience of it. So it's not that I'm against violence. It's that like the whole idea of, of goring somebody in the most graphic way for people to cheer and enjoy like mm-hmm. that freaks me out like oh, that, okay i that's something that i like if i'm in a room full of people and that happens i get scared you know what i mean <laughs> the the moral i i get like the looking for like uh, the moral of the theme behind the movie like needing to be positive or needing to be something of some energy like not just gratuitous violence or yeah. gratuitous sex or just 
Um, and I feel like that I, I kind of get that, but sometimes there are some exceptions for me where I, I appreciate it for what it is. And the example I have in my mind is Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. which for me, there's, there's not really, there is like a little bit more to it, but I mean, basically it is a movie that kind of satisfies, like if we're back down to barbarism, you know, how do like decent people in that kind of situation, where can they find any kind of semblance of redemption or sure. something like that. And that's a great movie. I and mean, that movie, for what it's trying to accomplish, uh-huh. uh, being post-apocalyptic, uh, having the word... I mean, every part of the word makes sense. It's There's madness in it. Because yeah. if that happened to humanity, we would be not okay in the head. And you see the craziness of, of Morton Joe and these religious fanatics and the barbarism to it. I mean, you have, obviously, Max in it. And there's kind of this fury to it, this kind of fiery, like the earth is pissed off, yeah. almost, so to speak. And so, to me, that's beautiful. Because what it's trying to do, it did extremely well. Yeah. It doesn't, it's going to make the world a better place now. Not really. I mean, the movie yeah, I mean, the movie for, doesn't have that kind of message. That's not what it's trying to do. So, I can me, appreciate that. movie, that. I think the, the artistry of it and... I think that movie is about doing the right thing in the most extreme of cir- circumstances. I think yeah. that movie was great for the world, you know? Hmm. I really do. Like I like Star Trek Beyond I think is great for the world because it's about it's about friendship and working together as a team. I mean, I I'm easy to satisfy on that front, you mm-hmm. know? Um Game of Thrones the jury's still out. I think it's re- for me it's going to come down to where is this going because mm-hmm. like watching the Starks <laughs> get slaughtered and watching uh uh, what's his name? Greyjoy. Um, Theon. Yeah, Theon. Watching him be tortured was one of the most disturbing things I've ever had to sit through. And I mean, is this worth it? And then what's uh, Pedro Pascal's character? Uh, the, oh, that the, scene was what's awful. his name? Um, the uh, spider, the shadow, viper. the viper. Um, yeah, uh, Prince Oberyn. Prince Oberyn. Yeah, who I loved. I adored that character mm-hmm. because, like. He was he was casually bisexual in a way that I very much relate to, and I, I'd never <laughs> seen anything like that before, and I really enjoyed it. And he was still very much like a masculine man, and mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool. Um, and I was, uh, what they did with his death was very was beyond what they needed to do, you mm-hmm. know. But the the flip side of that is that I love Sam Raimi horror movies, like I love Evil Dead, and I love the, uh-huh. like I love the. The gratuitous nature of those movies is what they're all about. Those mm-hmm. movies are like, look what we can do. Like, look what we can build and film. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Look at this. It's fucking crazy. Look at this. It's disgusting. I dare you to look at this. <laughs> and it's fun. You know, there's, I, I, that to me is, um, I don't, but those movies have so much heart too, you know? I, there's, there's a yeah. fine line and I don't know. I, I don't know. And I have a hard time keeping my opinions to myself. <laughs> Yeah, horror movies have never done it because that that particular like the adrenaline and that kind of like uh, uh, reaction to me, I don't enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. Like being scared in a yeah. movie, or and also the logic part of me, or not the logic, but like the the overly analyzing and rational part of me is always picking apart the logic of the movie because normally they're just trying to scare you right. and show you some weird shit. So sometimes they kind of skirt on, you know, some of the dialogue and all this other stuff you know they're just trying to scare you and they're just trying to show you something crazy yeah and sometimes i'm like oh come on that's so stupid like oh why would she go upstairs by herself you know right so i just can't turn that off and i also just you know when i sit in a movie i don't really want to like be jumping out of my seat Hmm. like i like what'd you think of the thing the thing uh the new the remake uh john carpenter's 
The new one or the old the one? The old one. Uh, I actually did like it. Yeah, like, I like that too. It was, I mean, some of yeah, some of the scenes are a little overkill. Where I'm just like, oh come on, man, that's now you're just yeah. trying to show what you can do with special effects, which right. at the time was impressive. But yeah, there's there's yeah. like a that's a movie that has almost no morality whatsoever, mm-hmm. and it it just like exists to because someone wanted to create something wild. Like that's a good example of that, I think. <laughs> like, I, I love the desolation of it. They're in Antarctica, yeah. and like there's only a handful of them, and there's this thing. That even if you were in a city, this thing would be terrifying. But yeah. they're like in the middle of nowhere, and I totally. Did, uh, so some of the stuff, like I, I, I did think it was cool, and that's and for those me kind that of, has like a lot of value too. Yeah, There's something so artistic about it, and so specific about it that has so much value. But from I think having value to me, it crosses into not having value if a piece of art has a like perpetuates a negative stereotype or yeah, um, like brings us backwards as a society. But then the problem with that is that, like, I am my own judge of that. So, and, like, what I think is or isn't, isn't what anyone else is going to think necessarily. And, like, who am I to push my opinion on anyone else? The Yeah. I, I guess, like, I, I always kind of say, look, we, we all have, a, like, we all have opinions. I have chosen, to like, to have a podcast format for it. Yeah. And and you have, too. And I guess I always kind of put, like, like this this is just this guy's opinion. Right. Like, I'm not claiming to have any greater authority than anyone else. Right, um, totally. I'm going to have explained myself. I'm going to talk about it because I enjoy talking about this stuff. But in the end, I know I'm just one person. Right. And I think having that, that humility, I think having that kind of keeping yourself grounded that I have opinions, I, th- I have things that matter. And yes, I might be able to influence other people, but also realize, like, you know, don't over, like, I'm just one person. They don't, like, right. most people aren't going to, they're going to feel the way they feel. Maybe they'll listen a little bit, but most people... They feel so strongly about, you know, their own stuff. You know, it's really hard to get anyone to move. And I, mm-hmm. so I don't really, I don't give myself that much credit that I can really change anyone's mind that much. Right. And uh, do you want to? I mean, is that, is that even a goal? No, maybe, uh, no, not change their mind, but maybe like, you know, oh, I didn't think, actually my, my ideal reaction to somebody uh, listening to me is like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Not of, you know what? I like that a lot. Yeah. I'd rather have that than, you know, I, I disagreed with you when we started and now I agree with you. Cause one, I don't think that, I think that hardly ever happens, uh, to anyone, but I do like, you know, you know what? Yeah. I've, you know, that particular point, that perspective, I've just didn't think about that. I didn't know yeah. that. I would, I appreciate that a lot more than I'm sitting here trying to like twist somebody into right, the totally. opposite position. I'm not trying, I don't believe that's really a thing to do either. That's something I love about sci-fi on trial is when those types of things happen for me or for someone else who's there where we can let go of some of the anger we have towards these things that feel disappointing, mm-hmm. like the Matrix sequels or yeah. the prequels or something. Like, learning how to let go of that stuff seems really valuable to me. And I, I'd love for the show to be about that, but that only happens, like, you can't force that. It only happens sometimes. I, I, I guess this is all boiling down to, like, me wanting to put myself in a position where if I'm creating a podcast, I want all of it to be good by my own moral standards. I w- good for the world. If I'm creating content, I want it to be good for the world. And I've I've learned a lot about that through game streaming because it is just like, just for fun, you know? It's just supposed to be fun. It's giving someone something to do when they get home. Like people tell me, like someone told me a couple weeks ago they ordered a pizza uh, and were planning to sit down and eat their pizza at 6 p.m. when I started streaming Mario Maker. And that was cool. their after work plan. And that was one of the most gratifying pieces of feedback I've ever gotten. That is cool. Yeah. And I and that was actually really revelatory for me. It's like, wow, 
that feels great. Like giving someone something to do that feels good for them feels good for me. I'm, I want to share and spread positivity. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that with this podcast, I really wanted to talk to, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, I started this right before the like fandom kind of took over the world. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's been in the last three years. I mean, fandom has really taken over and then kind of developed, like reared its ugly head also. Um I, am I wrong about that, or do you, have, do you, do you feel that way also? I, I'm worried. I, I am worried about that. I'm also just worried that we, not we, but, like, I guess what I was saying about Star Trek, like, yes, I love science fiction, and sometimes I just like action, you know, spaceships and whatever. But, you know, Star Trek had something special about it that nothing else had. Mm-hmm. And and I, I that's one of the truly special things about what science fiction can do that other genres can't do is what star trek is this aspirational future yeah. grounded in reality grounded in something that hey we could do this we could be this one day and to see it you know that part of it gouged down and it turned into a more conventional science fiction um show is 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 what worries me because mm. star trek used to be that for decades 60s 70s 80s the movies even in the 90s, maybe maybe not Nemesis, but for a long time, those shows were always like that. It wasn't just TNG in the original. It was also Voyager, DS9, even Enterprise. I know people bash. I love Enterprise. I, love I don't. It. I didn't like it, but I don't hate it. I mean, yeah. I, that's, I don't like, again, maybe I just don't like, I just don't want to trash it. But also I'm like, look, it's not, don't treat it like it's the worst thing. I've, I've heard some awful things about Enterprise, but I've also yeah. watched it. I'm like, dude, it's not awful. Calm down. Calm your, <laughs> calm your shit. Slowly. So, but uh, that's so. When I guess uh, getting back to my point, I I do see it in fandom, and I do see kind of this. Um, in addition to this, um, uh, they, they feel like they own it. They feel like they own Star yeah, Wars totally, and that they should dictate what should happen yeah. going forward. And, but they're not the creators. They're not the authors. Right. They're not in control. And I don't think they realize how much it, of themselves it exposes. When they mm. say these things, yeah, they just think they're citing an opinion about a movie, but they don't realize what you've just said about the movie exposes the fact that you don't seem to like female characters at all. Right. For example, like right. why they, is it that every single ha- character you hate is a woman? Makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah having a, a person of color in a in a lead role as a hero makes you uncomfortable. You know, like that's and, uh, and exposing your own racism. Absolutely, you said that very well. And to and also to acknowledge, I mean, I acknowledge, I love the original movies, but yes, like the, Family Family Guy had it right. There's only two women in the universe in that movie. Right. It's it's Leia and it's uh, Moth Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma, unless you count the slave woman yeah. who's dancing. So it's all men. And there's so, like one black guy. Yeah. In the entire galaxy, he's and, awesome. Don't yeah. get me wrong, he's fantastic. But there's only one. So yeah, so like, oh, this new movie, the lead character's a woman. Oh, they're just doing that to be. It was like. No, it's like maybe in the previous movies they're all dudes, see, dude. Just back yeah. off. They want to make it with a le- fine. Just the, let it go. The, the fact that having a female lead can is is, is a something problem? is a problem to them exposes the fact that it doesn't happen. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. For for it to be this big of a deal means mm-hmm. that people aren't comfortable with it because it's not what they're used to and people are afraid of change, which is exactly why we need to do it because yeah. like to not do that is part of a, is partaking in a system of oppression. Is allowing a system of oppression to continue. So I I don't know. I'm I, very passionate about all this type of stuff and I I love 
I love talking about it. And I, I want to like put myself in a format where this is the type of yeah. conversation that comes up every time. Actually, I'll tell you the reverse. Uh, Dune, the novel Dune. Mm. Love, I love the, the novel. It's been my favorite for a long time. And yeah. uh, as I was getting older, I was starting to notice some things about it right. that are not so, you know, things that are not admirable and some weaknesses to it that I never felt like before. Sure. And obviously it is... Um, Going through the whole saga and even the the story itself. Have you have you read it or seen the movie? I've seen the movie. I have not read the book, but it's okay. on my list of things to read. All right. It's. I mean, it's an amazing book, but it does have weaknesses. It is. Uh, it's not aging that well. Hmm. It's. Uh, it is border. I mean, you're going to see kind of a sexist kind of or not sexist, but misogynistic uh, angle to it, and it's not necessary for the story. Uh, gotcha. So that's why, like, now when I think about it, like the religious part of it, like the epic part of it, there's so many, like the world building is still amazing. It's still like five star, like the best, the most imaginative stuff I'd ever read at the time. And uh, he just, he he treats everything in his, in what he writes very seriously. Yeah. Everything is real. Everything is very real to him. And that it's not, nothing's like kind of like, you know, big flashing lights to, or to draw your attention away with some vast ship everything like he treats with seriousness. And I appreciated that. And I appreciated his commitment to showing uh, unique cultures, uh, unique religions and kind of unique things with the Fremen and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, the, the protagonist is a privileged white dude and yeah. he is like part of a, part of a religious tribe. That's all women, but the Messiah is a guy, yeah. you know, and so, so stuff like that. So I acknowledge that stuff. Does that make Dune a terrible novel to me? No, yeah, and it's not. But like, it's but it's. There's a part of it I see now. Right. It's that, not that that is inherently bad. It's that that's all that's ever been portrayed. Yeah. So that's it becomes it becomes like second nature to think of heroes as men because that's mm-hmm. who we see. So or just white men in particular because that's mm-hmm. who we see. So yeah, I mean. I'd love to live in a world where that wouldn't be problematic, you know, because mm-hmm. everything's being done. So that's just one variation is like this white man who is the savior of this group of women. You know, if if that wasn't if that wasn't a trope that's like been done to death, it wouldn't be harmful. Um, I, think, I think they're going to have I don't know what they're. I do like um, the, the director who's going to do the movie. Um, I always get his name wrong. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah, the new Dune movie. That's yes, right. The I new heard Dune about that. movie. The guy who did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is awesome. I I love that movie. Yeah, I, I thought it was. A lot. It's long, but and I I have it. not seen Arrival. I it's really, good. I really need to see. You it. should. It's it's really good. It's I've also been putting it off for years. It's it's trippy. It's it's it's. I mean, I've read the story, and I when you when I read the story, which is not that long, I'm like, how the hell do you make a movie out of this? Yeah, but he succeeded. It's 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 pretty cool. Um, but anyway, yeah. I don't know how he's going to do the movie in this climate. Yeah. With that story, with the Fremen are a desert people that are kind of, um, you know, obviously their their skins are usually darker. They're portrayed that way in the book. Uh, the hero is this kind of pale skin, brown, reddish hair guy. Yeah. And then there's the witches and everything and the female, like, uh, not cult, but um, kind of like a society of, they're called witches, but they're not. You know, it, it it's all science. There's no real kind of magic, but he kind of blends the two a little bit. And I'm just wondering, like, how is he going to make that movie? Is yeah. he is he going to be able to cast it the way it was written? And if he does, I have a feeling he's going to be dealing with some backlash because in 2019 or 2020, whenever it comes out, I, it's going to be reacted to differently than the book was in the 60s. Yeah, I think the only way to do it is to not cast it the way it is in the book. I think that if you if you want to tell that story, but you cast a woman of color as the mm-hmm. lead, 
the 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 white men on the internet are going to try to kill the director mm-hmm. because they're going to flip the fuck out. But it would make a much more compelling movie in this day and age. I I think I just found well at least part of a solution. Make um a what is it? Lado Atreides, uh-huh. Idris Elba, <laughs> Donald Glover is Paul Atreides, Muad'Dib. Wow. So switch them to black. Switch the switch the race of um of that. Sure, I don't, yeah. I don't think you can change the gender. I mean, well, yeah, you could, I guess. But um, but change I, I, it require yeah. it requires you to change a lot. Of, the reason, like sometimes, I don't like them changing something for the sake of uh, making it broader. I'm like, if you're changing one thing, how many other things do you need to change? Right. If you change his gender, you have to change the the Benny Gesserit and all these other things that are in the story. So you're you're doing a lot more work than you should. Changing the race, I think that's all you have to change. Hmm. So somebody somebody write that down, whoever's listening, and send send that to <laughs> yeah. Dennis Villeneuve. <laughs> I would be, having seen the original movie and not read the book, I would love to see that. Like I I do I do agree there would be more work, but I yeah I would be curious to see what a creator like that could do with. With having to do more work and change the story True. a little bit more, I think it could be really cool. I'm not someone who uh, needs literal adaptations. No. I'm someone who needs the emotional impact of the source material to come through. So, for example, Harry Potter three was a great movie, mm-hmm. and Harry Potter four was, in my opinion, a terrible movie <laughs> because they they tried to pack in too much. Because Goblet of Fire is, I think, maybe my favorite of the seven Harry Potter books. I yeah. love that book. And they they cut out so much, but then they added this huge sequence of a dragon that they didn't need just to have an action beat. And then they kind of rushed through everything else. And it just didn't have any emotional impact for me. And I was very disappointed in that because that's like the emotional turning point of the whole story for me yeah. is book four. Um, but book three, I thought that they um, did a really good job of paring back the book Mm-hmm. to what was like really necessary for the emotional turning points, which they captured beautifully. Uh, and I loved that movie. I thought it was like really great. I, I think Lord of the Rings did that really well. Absolutely. By, yeah, absolutely. With how much they deviated from the, the book, I had no problem with it. I think it was still beautifully done. It yeah. is obviously a slight, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly different story, but not, there, I mean, it's obviously so close to the original that it, you're getting the same heart. Exactly. Of, of what Tolkien created. Yeah. The story is the story's different enough just to make it, you know, uh, to make it Peter Jackson's a little bit and whatever. But I just think they did a tremendous job. When I got yeah. done reading the book and compared it to the movies, I'm like, wow, I didn't think they were... I mean, they're close, but there's qu- some significant differences, and they're both awesome. I actually think... I like the story of the movie better. Really? I, I really yeah. do. Yeah. I thought they did an awesome job of boiling it down to what was really important about that story to tell. I for I'm not someone who likes the scouring of the Shire. I know that's controversial. Yeah, but you can't do that in an American movie. You just couldn't do I, it. For me, like reading the book, I was done with the book. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was done with the book, and then there was this whole like story left to tell that felt anticlimactic to me. And I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, I like those books a lot, but it wasn't my favorite thing to read. Yeah, and yeah. I think I was just ready to move on to the next thing. And the book wasn't done with me yet. And I found that slightly frustrating. No. Yeah. The the Hobbit was a little bit different in that, like, it is a very similar story. It's just really stretched out. I, those and movies they are add bad. so much. They're, <laughs> They're bad. It's such a money grab, man. Just 
Yeah. You did that wasn't three movies worth of material. It's just no. not that story's not three movies. No, so, not at all. I yeah. And the original movies sound that they were gonna make, they were gonna make like one and then two when uh, Guillermo del Toro was directing and it's what he had in mind sounded incredible. Like he wanted to build animatronic everything. Like he didn't want to rely on CG. Mm-hmm. And what we got was just this like it's just a video game with people running through it mm-hmm. for so so many hours, so many more hours than I would have wanted to spend. And I, I enjoyed the first and the third one okay, but the second one to me was just complete throwaway. And I just I, I enjoyed almost nothing about the second one. <laughs> I didn't I, I remember thinking the first one was just meh. I mean, I got dizzy in the whole troll caves and everything. Yeah. Or the goblins and everything. Uh as because it's doing a helicopter kind of view as they're running through the the goblins uh, right. caves and everything trying to get out. I'm like this is going on and on and on, and I'm getting nauseous. And these dwarves apparently are invincible. Right. Like as the movie goes on, you're like, man, these things just can't be killed. Right. Like, I mean, the the stretching of um, my plot, the plausibility was to a point. Yeah, those movies yeah. didn't need to be. Uh... I would have liked to have seen Game of Thrones now. <laughs> now that you've told me that, like, I didn't know that he was going to do it originally. Or yeah, that, uh... they had scheduling issues or creative differences or something. He was a producer still on it, but Peter Jackson took over at some point. Mm. Yeah. But it's weird to, it's so weird to experience like movies like the Lord of the Rings or the original Star Wars with, with creators like Peter Jackson and George Lucas. And then their later stuff where it's all CG mm-hmm. and just to f- not feel connected to it at all. And it's like the directors think that this is better somehow. And they think that they're getting better as filmmakers as they get older, I'm sure. But but I connect less and less to what they're making the more and more CG they put into it and the less, like, construction and, and actors that you see on set. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's, it seems like film creators are getting really out of, out of touch with, you know, what it was about the films that they're referencing with these nostalgia cash grabs. I, I agree entirely. I think my friend... Um is an author. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Star Wars prequels. I mean, he's a huge Star Wars fan. Um, and I was like, well, you know, in, in my opinion, like he needed somebody to check him. Like George Lucas and the prequels had nobody to check him because he was George Lucas. Right. If George Lucas wants it this way, George Lucas is going to get it but this way. In the originals, uh, apparently his his wife was a huge part of it. And he didn't have that as much of a free hand because yeah. he wasn't. So the direct right, producers, exactly. so everyone... they divorced during return of the jedi i think yeah yeah and the writers had more say like he like the the balance was a little bit more uh different because george lucas did not have that kind of weight right of course when the prequels come out he has all that weight and there that nobody could tell him no yeah and the way my friend and i were talking about like he needed somebody for quality control like yeah, yeah. he needed qc <laughs> yeah and i feel like a lot of direct not just george lucas i think that i think it happens when you're I think in, it's you're in Spielberg too. Spielberg, uh, Oliver Stone, uh, Ridley Scott, and a few others. I feel like they did tremendous things that are make them immortal. Like yeah. Ridley Scott's Alien is is and is just it's incredible. Like for for when it came from and everything, his more recent movies not so much. Uh, I think he's starting to lose some of. I think that QC, that quality control, and maybe some of that kind of checking, like. I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, you, you've been that wealthy and that successful and you've been kind of in the image for so long, your perspective has been altered. Yeah. Uh, you're not seeing a lot of what 
more regular experience is. Like maybe yeah. when you were younger, you were closer to that. And, and they don't have any limitations anymore either. And yeah. limitations always breed creativity. I think so. Like I actually, I was thinking about that earlier when you were talking about Star Trek and the, the characters are all good people and how Gene Roddenberry stuck to that. The writers always complained. For me, having the limitation of your characters are all good people, how do you tell an interesting story? That's why Star Trek is so compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Because you get to see how good people react in extreme situations. And that's rare because you usually just see like flawed people fighting, you know, with, with whatever. And there's the good guys and the bad guys. And for me, I just don't connect to that as much because I, I love Starship Troopers. I think it's a great movie. But there's no like... There's no real good guys in that movie, you know? There's mm-hmm. no, like, I, I I don't know. I mean, there's no one you really want to get behind and believe in, except for maybe uh, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> uh, but I still enjoy that movie. But, like, that's more common, I think, that the, your characters are just kind of supposed to be as cool or as flashy as possible. Like, Han Solo is a good example. He's, like, the coolest guy in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um but he's a very flawed character who's like doing morally ambiguous things and that's fun and that's great and I love it. And, you know, it seems like that's probably easier to write than to have someone like John Luke Picard and make him interesting for seven years. Someone who is like morally strict and kind of severe, but also like has the heart of a poet and, you know, is uh, just like such a good leader. And for me, like that's so interesting just to watch someone like that balance what he balances it balances in his day-to-day mm-hmm. career i just think it's endlessly fascinating i i think there the there's i think there's other shows that have done it too where the characters or at least like the leads are like kind of maybe too good to be true maybe kind of mary sue marty stew kind of thing yeah where they seem to have like all the qualities that you would want and i was thinking like the show i was thinking of as you were talking was uh, uh it's a police procedural uh blue bloods I haven't seen that. Uh, it's got uh, it's got uh, Selleck. Um, I'm blanking on his first name. Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck. Um, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, you know, great a- cast. A TV show. Yeah, oh, CBS. And it's about a family of like cops. Like the Tom Selleck is the commissioner of the police. Donnie Wahlberg is a detective. The younger brother um, is also a cop. The daughter is a uh, an ADA. So they're all like into public service. They're all into law enforcement or uh, things like that. And there's also little kids and they all have dinner together at like in this show. And so like they're kind of this family and the conflicts are are them dealing with, you know, police, normal police kind of law and order and uh, those kind of stuff. But like they're all like really, really good people, you know, Donnie Wahlberg has kind of a temper and kind of steps out of line a little bit, but it's always like in a way that. He means well, you know? Yeah. He's trying to get the bad guys, and sometimes he breaks rules when he shouldn't, and his family holds him. But the rest of them, like Tom Selleck is like the ideal like leader. Uh, and they're all kind of idyllic. The show's pretty good. That's awesome. And they find a way to make stories out of it, and it's a successful show. It's been around for a few seasons. Yeah. And, I mean, you would think that, well, they're all just too perfect. You know, where, how are you going to generate the drama? It's like, well, they found a way. Yeah, I actually think Firefly is kind of like that, too. And I, I know that Mal is like the classic anti-hero, mm-hmm. but Firefly exists in a world where the government is immoral mm-hmm. and being against the government is almost the moral choice. I I like, I'm not so sure. Well, he, yeah. I think the, in that show, like none of them have like an, an amazing abundance of like talent or qualities. They either have one, like they have some here and there, like, yeah, Mal's a talented guy. Yeah. And he's also kind of morally like deviates between being the happy-go-lucky almost like the father of a family 
you know, head of the household to kind of the dark brooding, you yeah. know, uh, anti-hero. But he has a code that he's unwilling to break. Exactly. And his code is seems pretty correct. But then, but then, if you go through like the rest of the cat, the rest of the crew, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jane, who's yeah. <laughs> dumb as a brick, and right. obviously doesn't always do the right thing. He's you he know would totally be an internet troll, full yeah, full yeah. on criminal, and yet you you find a way to like him. Yeah, uh, you know, Anara. I mean, they all have something to them that kind of like Anara is not the is not the gunner. She's not yeah. like the the master criminal. She's the companion. Um, you know, so they all have something. So they're not like loaded with talent. Like Star Trek, they're all like talented. Sure. And I think maybe that kind of adds also another dimension. Like, yes, are they all mm. good people? Yeah, they are. They're all, except for Jane, yeah. really. But they're like good average people. good people. Yeah, they're just. Which I love. Yeah. I, I guess maybe even more so than like being competent people. I just like seeing good people on TV. Yeah. They don't have to be a super crew. Yeah, like they totally. do make mistakes. Like they yeah. do, like things don't go but as trying planned. They're trying their hardest. They are, and you also kind of relate because all of us, like in daily lives, like shit happens, yeah. and you make mistakes. Like we all make mistakes. So watching, like, I don't know. I like watching a show where like somebody makes a mistake or something goes wrong, and they found a way around it. They found totally. a way to they like either remedy it. it. They found yeah. a way to correct it or to overcome it. To me, that's better than somebody who's just infinitely. Not better, but like it's a different way of going about it than you know this overly talented crew totally. uh, overcoming these vast challenges. Yeah, which is just another way to go. And I'd like to see more of that type of thing because I what I love about Star Trek is that that's an ideal for the best of the best. Yeah, like, you know when you think of the military and you think of the best of the best that we have, uh, and then you think of Star Trek, it does it it doesn't necessarily seem like the same type of thing when you're saying the best of the best but i love the one that's portrayed in star trek which is you know you like train hard you work hard you learn everything you have to be physically fit you have to be mentally fit uh and like emotionally fit as well to operate as as at your best level and they have developed tools to help you do that like they have a counselor on board to help you Mm -hmm. do that and you get to see sometimes someone like barkley who struggles with it but they help him work through and it seems like they have developed a general parameter for existing as a society that seems to be healthy for most people. Mm-hmm. And like, there are exceptions, but I, and there always will be, but I just love that they tried. I love that they did that. It's so cool. I, it is. Yeah. That's what makes me feel like I should maybe, if I were to continue doing a sci-fi show, it should be just a Star Trek show <laughs> uh, about one of the older shows, uh, because then I could be stuck talking about something that, that even when it's bad, I still love it. Be- yeah. And then I don't fall into the, I, I, I don't fall into the trap of like convincing someone not to like it because I love it deep down and yeah. I'm not going to do that. Like I've been listening to, I love listening to shows that talk through Next Generation episode by episode. I'm listening to two right now. Uh, Treks in the City, which is two women and it's amazing. Really? Yeah, it's so I've not good. come across that one. It's okay. so good. Treks in the City. Uh, spelled like Trek as in Star Trek, just with an S, not with an X or anything. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's two women who love the show and they rag on it a lot, but they really love it. And it comes through that they love it. And I love the show because of that. Um, I also really like Star Trek, the next conversation. I tried listening to, um, the, what's it called? The next generation? No, the greatest generation. (laughs) The next generation is the name of the show. Uh, I tried listening to the greatest generation and they, they were like rewatching as adults and kind of hate watching it and, uh, (laughs) just didn't 
really seemed to actually like the show. They just really enjoyed making fun of it. And it was really kind of yeah. uh, unenjoyable for me to listen to that, you know? But it's, like, the most popular of all those three shows. It seems like negativity is more popular, which is it, so Yeah, it, it elicits more of, like, an emotional reaction. I, I mean, the news is the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the most outrageous, like, the most, like, anger-driven negativity, like, all the stations. And unfortunately, yeah, that's, like, the most popular thing right now. And it's... I, I would... A little, yeah, the thing I try to do is like trolls love to be fed. Don't feed trolls. Like right. that was that was like yeah. the other little rule I was like creating. Like if I ever started getting hate mail or hate emails or any kind of like messages for any reason on social media, I was going to ignore trolls. I wasn't yeah, even going to respond to them uh, yeah, in any way. Getting a response is a victory from a troll. That's what. Yeah, that's what they yeah, want. Absolutely. So, I'd, that's man, a good, I got to listen to that. Rule. Yeah. Yeah, dude, in this age, you need this stuff. Like, I, yeah. I, I feel like, and I, I try to disengage from social media more now, because I, I can definitely see what happens when it just pulls you in. Yeah, and I've been, you get distracted, and so I, I, I definitely feel like we're learning some of these new rules because we're the first, like, kind of, we're just now getting through this for the first time. There's oh, never, totally. There's never been anything like this before, right? And I think we need to start learning, like, teaching ourselves, like, some of these rules to get past like what we're doing to ourselves. Cause in the end yeah. we're really doing this to ourselves, right. like, you know, people and other people. And I, I mean, we're just, we're just gonna have to learn how to, to cope with this. Cause it's not going away, but right. yeah, it's so interesting. Like we're, as we're recording this, we're a couple days away from the, the Paul Manafort slash Michael Cohen news day where <laughs> Paul Manafort was convicted and mm-hmm. Michael Cohen admitted to uh, specifically, like pay off women mm-hmm. to try to help Trump win the presidency, you know, like, and at the direction of Donald Trump, you know, mm-hmm. he just admitted to that. And for anyone following the story, that's like, that's been obvious from day one, you know, mm-hmm. but, but now it's like, oh my God, is that like, p- people are like, wow, is that what happened? It's like, yeah, of course that's what happened. <laughs> of course that's what happened. But now that it's been like, well, I mean, I mean, you know, reasonable doubt and all that. And I, I don't want to assume what happened, what didn't happen, but the fact that it was finally admitted to, by someone is is crazy you know and now we're in this situation where there are multiple multiple people on the record including the president of the united states claiming things are true that cannot possibly both be true Mm -hmm. um and it's just like it's just like insane it's just the world has gone crazy you know and this is this was bred out of social media you know Mm -hmm. this came from twitter like this all came from the idea that someone could build up a following based off of saying specifically what someone would want them to say, not necessarily what they believe or what is true, but what they think would be like the 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 biggest, craziest thing to say, you know? Like Trump hired Cambridge Analytica to develop the term drain the swamp. And I heard a speech from him where he specifically said, I didn't even know what that means. They just told me to say it. He literally <laughs> said that. He said, I don't know what this means, but we have a team who told me that this is what I should say. So we're going to drain the swamp. Like he literally had no con- conception of what that meant and admitted to it. And yet now, like if you sit him down and ask him, did you say that? I'm sure he would deny it. You know, mm. it's just, it's just fucking crazy. And j- it's really made me think about like content creation and podcasting. Like mm-hmm. a- every voice matters when all these voices are so loud. <laughs> and uh, even if you're only reaching like, dozens of people um i feel like it's my personal responsibility to put things out there that are helpful yeah at least positive um and hopefully like entertain people and like at the very least entertain people and make them feel good 
And, uh, and if, if what I'm doing isn't doing that, then like I need to re-examine what I'm doing or if what I'm doing is not reaching people, then that means it's probably not making them feel good, you know, because they're not sharing it. Well, I mean, I enjoy, I've always enjoyed your show. Uh, and I think it's mostly, I mean, that's what I liked about it. It was like mostly positive. It wasn't, um, trying to be, I mean, there are like definitely in science fiction shows in general where the person like on the host is trying to convince me of something or trying to convince the co-host of something. And they're kind of talking over each other. Your no, your show never did that. Well, that's good to hear. And like, <laughs> I just, I don't know, you know, like I, I'm so deep inside of it because I do everything that it's really hard for me to see what it is. Well, the, I think the feeling I always got when I listened to you, and I, I kind of like took some cues from you is like, I, I remember listening like a few of your shows where I disagreed with what you were saying, but I'm like, yeah, but I still like this guy. I'm oh. just going to keep listening. <laughs> well, that's like, great. Like you're, I forget what movie you said it was awesome. And I'm, I, I just, I was like, no, that movie's so Was crap. it Lost in Space? No. Actually, I got that, some it shit. might have been. <laughs> I, got, I got some shit for how much I love Lost in Space. I think it was before that. It I, delighted me. <laughs> no, I think you were like, I think you were really happy about, uh, oh, I forget. You just really liked it. And I'm like, how could you? But I listened to the whole thing anyway. But I was like. Oh, was it Passengers? I, yes, that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, That makes so much sense. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> he loves this. What the? Ah, whatever. I'm just going to keep listening. It's like, yeah, I disagree with him, but I like this guy. So I'm just going to keep listening because he's not being a jackass about it. You know, well, that's good. That's it, good to hear. That's know. like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And it, when I don't, you know, with, with streaming, I'm, it's an echo chamber. Like I, mm-hmm. I hear back immediately if what I'm doing is working or not. You know, if I'm playing a level in Mario Maker and somebody's bored, they tell me like they, and they will continue to tell me until I tell them to shut up. Uh, so, I have an instant barometer of what people are interested in, what they want to engage with, what's, you know, because I, what I want to do is find something that is interesting to me that I want to engage with that perpetually, you know, that is also interesting and engageable to other people. Because talking about science fiction is definitely that for me. And I, I, it's really hard to, to push a sci-fi show. We should talk about this because like, <laughs> it is so hard to market a sci-fi show. It is. And it's I- just not something that people are looking for or necessarily seeking out except for like a very few who are awesome people, but it's not, it's not enough to, to build an audience off of for me anyway. It, it is. And I, I definitely get, especially cause I, I go to book clubs and I just joined one when I got here. I, I was in two or three in North Carolina. And the reason for that is like, sometimes you go there and I mean, they're, they're all thoughtful people. They're not stupid. They're all educated. They read the book. I mean, they're, they have some, you know, thought. I mean, I, sometimes it's a great conversation. Other times I get in there and it is just really trite or just, uh, it's hard to explain, but they they just don't like something about the author. They don't like something about this and they just keep bashing it or they just keep, uh, it, it's not really constructive in any way. Yeah, You're not learning anything. In other words, you're not learning anything. Like I, one of the things I love to do is, talk about stuff on the podcast that I feel like I don't think a lot of people know this, mm-hmm. not because they're stupid, but because it's, you know, in the weeds, yeah. you know, it's deep into something that you have to really just geek out on it to find it. And I'm just like, in some of these things, I'm the geek. Yeah. I will dig it. Like some things I'll dig into that I know most people don't. And that's what I try to, so like bringing some kind of knowledge out yeah. uh, is what I like to do. What totally. I don't like is conversations where like, oh, I just hate it. The main character is just such a dick. I'm like, we have nowhere to go with that. Right. Am I going to argue that he's not a dick? No, it's your opinion. You don't like him. Fine. Right. We have nowhere to go with that, though. There's like nowhere to go with that conversation. And with science fiction, with the fan, the, the fan culture is either something's good or something's bad. Yeah. And there's just no, there's no conversation you can really have with somebody who thinks that 
Finn is a terrible character or that this or that JJ Abrams or Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars or mm-hmm. that somebody is, you know, just a a a social a no, social justice warrior and this is this is all just, you know, hidden propaganda right. to change our minds about uh, politics and I'm like it's it's a fucking Star Wars movie. Right. <laughs> it's a movie that's trying to help you embrace humanity, you know? I for me Star Wars movies are all about trying to like like reach out and find connections with other people, you know, like that's what the force is, is like this way yeah. to connect to the, to the universe around you and to uh, like have a sense of belonging and, and good versus evil and like all these very basic concepts. And uh, I feel like the new movies are, are really keeping that like in a good balance. And I, I really like the way they're doing that. And I think the casting is a big part of that and saying, you know, like this is the, like there's this, whole contingent of the world around us that has not been represented in these movies for no reason, so we should include them, you know? It's a big universe. You yeah. Know? And the galaxy, totally. you know, the diversity that the the first few movies shown with aliens and everything. I remember when somebody pointed out that, like, almost all the uh, aliens in the Rebellion uh, are either shot down, killed, or, or just don't play much of a role with a few exceptions. Right. And um, I was like, yeah, that's a fair point, because it seems like, you know, when you're watching, like, a battle going on, all the human pilots seem to live... And the aliens like don't make it. I was like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they should change that up a little bit and maybe have, um, you know, more than just a Wookiee. You know, as yeah, as and- one of the main characters being an alien. Right. And that's why I really appreciate um, in Rogue One Admiral Raddus, mm-hmm. who doesn't have a big role, but he has a very very important role. Right. And like they did not make him like a caricature. Like, hey, look at the weird looking alien. He's like a squid thing. Right. No, he was like he's like pivotal to how they got the plans off the planet. Right. Like, he was key. Yeah. And I appreciated that a lot. I was like, finally, like, an alien, another alien character that gets, like, a, instead of, like, hey, look at the weird-looking alien, you know, like, poking at the cage at the zoo or something. I was like, no, he's, he, he meant something to the story. Absolutely. I loved that. I loved yeah. that. Admiral Redis, I think, was a rock star and, like, a totally unsung hero of the Rebellion. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's just this guy's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it was pointed out to me that all of the aliens in the new movies most of them are different aliens from the aliens we saw in the first movies. Like, mm-hmm. they keep coming out with new movies where all the aliens are new that we haven't seen, which is kind of bizarre. Like, I love in Star Trek, you see the same types of aliens all the time. And you, you yeah. there's, like, world building for those different species. And I, I would love more aliens in Star Wars as main characters also. Like, I, I've thought about that a lot, how they keep having humans be the main characters, mm-hmm. which is kind of confusing <laughs> to me. It's like, <laughs> why is it? Why It doesn't make sense. Um, but for me, that's just the, I mean, obviously that has nothing to do with diversity <laughs> casting, but it's more just like the diversity of the ecosystem of Star Wars because it's so rich. Why aren't they using it? Like, why yeah. aren't they showing it? The, that confuses me. Yeah. The, it might, yeah, it might just be, uh, the difficulties in makeup or whatever. Sure. It's like I, more expensive. Fine. I mean, they're willing to spend all that money on huge CGI battles, but, right. uh, also, or actually, I think it's more they're they're not sure that they can get uh, somebody in an alien costume to emote the way you would need them to to be a character and not just part of the scenery. Yeah. I, I've heard that before. But that, I mean, Chewbacca is a perfect example of like less is more. You mm-hmm. know, just put a dude in a fucking dog suit and it'll work. Like it, Yoda, I mean, Yoda's a puppet. Boy, does it work. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and it's I mean that stuff is what makes those movies great. Yeah, or yeah, or even like the you know talking dragons or talking creatures in fantasy movies. Like they find mm-hmm. a way to make give them enough uh, uh, of that. Or basically, what um, uh, man, I'm having trouble with names. 
Circus, Andy Circus does. Oh, for sure. For Gollum, for for I mean, it's possible. We know it's possible. Yeah. I mean, Gus Circus is a talented man, but he's demonstrated you can make aliens or creatures have emote with their face or or whatever. I think because I've heard that before that they they don't like to do uh, like aliens or stuff like that when they have to use CGI or makeup because it kind of takes away with uh, the way they can express themselves. Right. And I just I don't think that's really a problem anymore. I think they've overcome that. I'm I'm hoping for more. You know what else does good with aliens is uh, Star Wars, the the cartoons, Rebels and Clone Wars. Hmm. Lots of alien characters in that. Yeah, totally. I got through like half of the Clone Wars, and I haven't watched Rebels yet. Rebels is pretty good. The last, it, it starts to lose its way a little bit, but like overall, it's cool. I tried reading some of the new comics, like the new canon of Star Wars comics, and I wasn't super impressed. It didn't feel super worth reading to me because I, I was getting prequel syndrome where they were like over explaining things that didn't need to be explained and like shoehorning events in between events that yeah. it didn't make sense that it would happen. And it was just like, I don't know. I was having, I was having like canon issues with it <laughs> and knowing that this is now like the chosen canon was hard for me just having remembered like the, the better canon from the expanded universe, even though they ruined that eventually too. But I don't know. I, I, I just like, I just want more stories. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to live in these worlds that I love so much with more stories. And I love comic books. And I've actually been reading a ton of uh, DC stuff recently. I've been reading a lot of the uh, DC Rebirth to like varying effects. And some of, I mean, a lot of it is just mediocre, but it's like, it's just, you know, I just gobble it up because I just need more content. Have, and, you, have you read any of the Firefly comics? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I've read all of them at this point that have come out. Nice. Are they, I mean, is it worth it? I mean, I'm not a big oh, comic yeah. book reader. Oh my god, there's some really good stuff. All right. The I don't remember. I don't remember the names. It might be Leaf on the Wind was one that continued the story from the movie mm-hmm. in an amazing way. Whichever hmm. comic that continued the movie was really, really good. Hmm. Uh, there's some that kind of flashback to points during the the show that were decent. There's books backstory which was decent, but the one that continued the movie story I really loved. Yeah, my my brother showed uh, Serenity and the and the Firefly Holford, you know, all everything to her, and she had never seen it, and so he got to gauge like her, like he he's been the one introducing a lot of like pop culture stuff from the from our era, yeah, to her because she she's younger and she's also just she didn't watch a lot of TV or movies she to, wasn't, to his wife to yeah uh, they're not married they will be married like hopefully soon okay gotcha oh yeah we're yeah we're all just like marry her now yeah <laughs> like before he proposed we're like. Hurry up before she leaves. We like her better than you. Come on. But um, so she, he got to be there. And, like he, he enjoyed it. He's kind of like with you and, and Nandy. You got to show her the Star Wars movies for the first time. Yeah, totally. He got, he got a lot of that. Like from her, like I get to show you all of Firefly, and she's like, yeah, you keep talking about it. What's the big deal? She saw it, and uh, after she finished everything, like she's like, I can see why everyone's pissed off. It got canceled. She's like, that was awesome. Why would they cancel it? And and she, she, eighteen years later, and all that to say that this doesn't age. Like right. this, this is not aging out. Even like fifteen, twelve, however many years it's been since all that, somebody will watch it for the first time and be like, "That was awesome." Why the fuck did they cancel it? Yeah, and it's that's how I mean. It's just it's just further affirmation that like, as fans, like yes, it is beautiful. We know it's beautiful, and it's still beautiful. <laughs> if only, if only. But I think it's probably too late with some of the actors starting to 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 pass away and yeah i don't i don't know if i'd want more at this point 
Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's it been is. too long. I feel like uh, I feel like there is a world in which the Captain Picard show is is what I want. Possibly, I I, I have hope for that, but I don't. I can't imagine Firefly coming back at this point in a mm-hmm. way that would be satisfying. No, I don't think so either. I mean, a cartoon maybe. As much as know. it pains me, I know. <laughs> I, although I am really excited about the Buffy continuation series because. Oh really? Yeah. Have you heard about that? No, I didn't hear about that. Uh, it's going to be like a new Slayer. They they announced that they were going to cast a woman of color as a slayer, and okay. that's and Joss Whedon is involved, and that's basically all that we know so far. But it is going to be in the same world. It's not a total reboot. It's not like Buffy didn't exist. Like Buffy will have existed in the past of this world, and it's like a new show set in that world. Okay, which I think I think sounds great. I mean, I I would love to see characters from the old show show up or Buffy play like a Giles role. That would be super cool. I don't know anything like that or <laughs> none of them. Cool. You know, I'd be happy with any of it. But the idea of telling more stories in this like fertile storytelling well, I'm really excited about because I love that universe. And maybe there's a way to do that with Firefly where like one or two characters come back or not at all. And it's just like a new story in the verse because cause the, the universe of Firefly is to me like another spot that would mm-hmm. be an infinite well of story to tell. Like Star Trek feels that way to me. And reading all these DC stories with the rebirth, it's like they are trying to kind of uh, reinvigorate all of their stories. And I've read, you know, I'm reading a a bunch of stuff right now, like Justice League, Superman, Detective Comics, Batman, Action Comics, Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. I'm reading like so much of the Rebirth. And I've read a fair amount. Well, I've read a a lot of like all of the new 52 Batman. So, uh, and then a bunch of Batman from before that new 52. So it's really interesting seeing them take a core concept for a story idea and then keep like restarting it and stopping it and then restarting it again and then stretching it in another way and then telling stories that seem disconnected and it doesn't quite make sense, but it all has to feel like Batman. It's just so interesting to like Mm. have to have to continue to create the same story over and over. Where do you go? I'm interested. I find that interesting. Like I, I like the idea of, uh, of story of storytelling that mirrors life in a way because it just keeps going. I love that too. I, I love, I love epics in general, but I'm, I'm also, when you have something, when the universe is that cool, like the world, like, especially when it's big enough, like star Wars universe, star Trek universe, uh, if if the world they've built is big enough, and there's not like uh, something that's like taking up too much you know, story wise, taking up too much space, use it, you know, yeah. and create more stuff and and make it linear and move forward. I am tired of reboots. I'm tired of prequels. Right. I'm tired of reusing. I agree with uh, Star Trek. I'm gl- Star Wars. Star Trek. Even with Star Wars, like I don't. I love Star Wars stories, but sometimes I'm like, I'll be honest with you, I'm more excited about the newer movies and the newer part of the timeline mm-hmm. than going back to the Clone Wars or going back to the um, pre-Episode 4 stuff. Yeah. I've seen, I'm happy with what's there. Yeah, the movies, I don't need any more of that. The movies, the TV shows and everything, I'm happy. There's You've got plenty of material there. Show me some of the newer stuff that's happened in the last, like, you know, episodes 5 through 8, 6 through yeah. 8. That's what I, I want to see. That's I what I would you. love to see. Um I agree with you with one exception. Andy said to me, like, like, why haven't they made a movie about the, the discovery of the Force and the first Jedi? I was <laughs> like, holy shit, why haven't they made that movie? That sounds awesome. I would love that. Like a movie in the universe before the Jedi where, like, 
the first Jedi comes into existence. I don't know anything about the Old Republic, the Knights of the Old Republic, like the video games and a lot I've of that stuff. I've played those. Um, like, it's like the, centuries before. Yeah, and the Jedi Order is like alive and well. Yeah, and it's and the Sith are like an actual tribe, not the Rule of Two, and like it's... Yeah, like, there's like a lot of Sith, yeah. Yeah, I've heard people saying like that's what um, the... That's what one of the new um, either TV shows or the tr- the new trilogy that somebody's working on. That's oh, what it's, it's going to be. Because a lot of fans yeah. are wondering, like, yeah, I think maybe- that's a good idea. I, I think it's it's far enough in the past that it's disconnected from the story yeah. we know, so it's not as much a prequel as just a new story in a different place in the timeline, yes. which I think is cool. Um, but I'd rather I would rather see the Force be discovered in general than than see the Jedi Order. Like we've seen the Jedi Order at its full height, and it was like the worst three movies so of yeah. the whole series. So I, and it's, I, I think it would be hard to show a Jedi order at their full height um, without having to reference the prequels yeah, and having to kind of show continuity with what the prequels are. Um, but, but I love how they're setting themselves up to have a new Jedi order with, uh, with the new movies mm-hmm. where, the Jedi Order is broken. It's gone. Rey's going to start something new, maybe. And maybe maybe even with Kylo Ren, and they start some new order that's like like gray Jedi. That would be awesome if they, you know, train people together somehow. Yeah. If they can ever come to terms. If you can stop being such a whiny brat. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of there being a new Jedi Order that it's completely unlike what we've seen because the one we saw for me was, was lacking. I don't, yeah, I don't need to see another, like, vast war of yeah. Jedi versus Sith or yeah. Republic versus uh, separatists. I I hope they don't do that cuz I, I don't need to see that again. I like the the more indiv- individualistic stories. Like individ the where the you don't you don't need the stakes to be like so high for me. Like yeah, in Star Wars. Yeah, I agree. They don't need to be that high. I actually think that um they 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 kind of are moving away from well they're kind of they're in a branding pickle because like Solo was called Solo colon a Star Wars story, which mm. is a ridiculous name. Mm-hmm. And you could just call the movie Solo. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just call Rogue One Rogue One. You don't need a Star Wars story. But it's not like Star Trek where everything falls under the Star Trek umbrella. Mm-hmm. And you can just sit, call it whatever it is after that. Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek, you know, uh, The Search for Spock. Like it, Star Trek does not affect the title. But Star Wars implies that there are wars going on. So they're kind of having to show these periods of war in the galaxy. The prequels is like a completely different war than the than the new than the original trilogy. And the war that's happening now is a completely different war mm-hmm. uh with the resistance than it was in the in the original trilogy. So we're now in like three different wars that we've seen. Uh so I would love them to make like a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie that like is just called Kenobi or something. It doesn't have to be a Star Wars story. It could just be the story of Obi Wan Kenobi and not necessarily be a war story, but just something in the the Star Wars galaxy. You know, <laughs> the Tatooine years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did he do all those years? <laughs> not much. Yeah, <laughs> we'll tell you about it for two yeah. and a half hours. Two and a half hours, and uh, a lot of it was spent in uh, that cantina. <laughs> yeah, it's just him drinking the yeah. whole time. He yeah, became a bit of an alcoholic. Yeah, he had some dark years. Yeah. yeah. Got it's it's him trying to get back into the cantina after being banned for life. <laughs> yeah, but uh, B. Arthur has to be there, <laughs> like in the Star Wars holiday special. No. <laughs> well, man, this was this was awesome. This yeah. was so much fun. We've been yes. chatting for what two and a half hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how you're gonna edit that down. <laughs> you know, I I'm trying to edit less to get myself to put episodes out. I might. What I've been doing is kind of uh, like we stopped to 
you know, pause to stop and save for a second every now yeah, and yeah. then. I might I might just consolidate it all down to one and then finish an episode and then listen to it. And if it's good, I'll just put it out. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I whenever I try to do that, which I've tried several times, mm-hmm. so I'll say something that I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And then I have to go back into the edit and take it out. But I don't know. I know yeah. I'll ha- now I'll just have what I just said. I'll just take out in the edit. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I know. Th- I think you've done this before, and a few other shows have done this before. Like when it's really that long, you just break it into two episodes. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, I I try to keep like our like mine like under. I try I try to average an hour, but we never do. We always end up yeah. at an hour twenty or an hour twenty eight or hour fifteen. I can never because we keep going on tangents. We like it just keeps going organically, yeah. and I don't want to stop it. And then finally, I'm like. All right, we definitely have to stop because there's no way I don't. I have a hard time seeing somebody sitting down and listening to. But then again, I don't listen to podcasts been getting to end. Like, mm. like if I have the time, I will. But like if it's like an hour twenty, I'll listen to half of it and then half of it later. You know? So, oh yeah, I don't I, know. I put on podcasts when I'm like walking the dog or taking a shower or cooking or something. So I do listen to in like two and a half hour shows. I'll listen to the whole thing. I've listened to six hour podcasts before. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, it just takes me a while. But if I'm into it, then I'm. I'm into it. And sometimes I go in and out of paying attention if it's, you know, my, I just travel into some thoughts somewhere. But I have noticed that when I split episodes up, the second half invariably gets way fewer uh, downloads than the first half, which always depresses me. So yeah. I kind of stop doing it just to avoid the sadness of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I wish I was less wrapped up in listenership than I am because it's hard to create something and then have the listenership not grow and and not feel like it's something I'm doing wrong. And I think I think I think I know I know that I need to at least take some time away, which I've kind of been doing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting out regular shows anymore, but I'm not like willing to say that I'm stopping because I don't know yet what yeah, I'm yeah. doing. Um but uh I'm still I'm still I today's helped actually a lot kind of talking about podcasting with another okay. podcaster. Well, I'm it's glad. Like, All right. Help me kind of formulate more what I'm thinking, like I'm trying to figure out what it is that I want and then I can figure out what to do, you know, which is hard. I don't know. I, I look at, I don't even, cause I know I have like uh, a, a shit audience uh, in terms of size and, <laughs> and like, I just think of it as like, I'm just building up a catalog. Like, yeah, uh, I know. And I also, I'm not going for listenership uh, at, really. I mean, I'm trying to, develop some skills in a sense. Like that's why we, I try to take like a professional tone to it, like, you know, edit it and also like try to structure it. And like, when I listen to it, like, what do I want out of it? Like do, how do I want to make it better? Yeah. It has like, you know, 15 or 20 or 30 downloads only. I'm like, yeah, I, I just, I learned to let, I guess I just re- eventually let that go. And just mm-hmm. the new objective about it for me was just, well, you know, if I ever do start reaching some success, people can always go back to the older stuff sure. and start listening to it if they want. Uh, yeah. You know, and that way when somebody says, well, how long have you been doing this? Oh, well, I've done like 80, 90, 100 episodes. Like, really? Like, yeah. So, I mean, you can listen to any one of them. You can listen to them out of order if you want. Like, there's no, yeah. you don't need to listen to them in order. You don't need to listen. I mean, the old ones are still exciting and interesting to listen to because most of what's in it is not obsolete. So, yeah. I mean, that's just the attitude I've taken. And I, if I end up with like a, a limited few listener whatever i'm more i'm more like like you were saying i'm more about the writing mm-hmm. and if i do get something published like through a publisher and that's where i would be very much more sensitive to readership and sales and not not for the money but for i want to know like if i do get something published that people are reading it 
right. and having an impact. If I if I weren't doing well on that, I think I would have the same kind of crisis. But I think that's where I would have the crisis. At podcasting, I'm willing to kind of like give myself a a, a pass on the uh, on the analytics and on the, mm-hmm. on the performance. I don't know, but that's just my attitude. Yeah, towards I it. think that's good. I think that's probably good for. I mean, it's definitely good for your mental health. It, yeah, it's helped. <laughs> it's horrible for mine. I uh, part part of me think taking a break is also like it's becoming something that is starting to get me down and like putting an episode out and seeing it not do well hurts me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, and it's, uh, I'm setting myself up for failure over and over again. And every once in a while I have an episode do well. For some reason, my Blade Runner 2049 episode like exploded and, mm-hmm. uh, it got, it got like 600 downloads, which is, wow. a, I think the most I've ever gotten, but I'm doing like Mario Maker and Zelda streams that hitting 600 is, is not uncommon for me anymore. That's like, uh, I've been like between four to 600 on average, I'd say oh, wow. for, okay. for streams. And it, it makes like, and I'm, I, it's, it's mind blowing to me to say to myself, like I've, I made, but maybe I made 500 people happy last night, you know, like that blows my mind and it feels yeah. so good. And I know that like, and it just, it just makes it so hard to put a podcast out and it gets like 50 downloads. Cause a couple of the Firefly episodes got like 60, 50 or 60 or something. And, uh, and I just don't understand, you know, like mm-hmm. 600 to 60. And that's, that's after the, the iTunes changeover. And I, yeah, I, it's, it's been so weird. I just can't, I can't figure it out. And I can't find a way to grow that seems sustainable. And, and then my health got in the way and I put stuff out less often. And also, like, you can't monetize a podcast, which, uh, which, which is not necessarily a problem. But live streams, I can monetize. And I make, like, maybe 30 cents off of it. But that feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I made $3 off of monetization uh, just off of views yeah. uh, generally per month. Uh, and then I have, like, some some sponsors also on the channel. So my channel brings in a little bit of money, which is okay. really cool. And okay. if I were to... Like, I would love I would love to put something sci-fi on there, too. Like, I really want to have that be a part of my YouTube portfolio. Because I do have this, like, huge podcast library now of, like, over a hundred, what am I at? I don't even know what I'm at anymore. A hundred, 115 or something episodes. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. To the point I where mean, I feel like if it were going to catch on, it should have happened by now. <laughs> may, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's, uh, all, all I can think of is like podcasting in general. I don't, th- I don't think even the successful ones like, uh, like Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, I think at one point, um, uh, the host like mentioned like how many downloads like one of them got and it wasn't like an astronomical number and that's like one of the most successful sci-fi yeah, podcasts. He's living off of that. I interviewed him once. It was awesome. Yeah, he's no. Oh, I love his his that podcast's awesome. Yeah. Like so, like and I think for me like I will I will sometimes skip over episodes if I see the topic and I'm just not interested. Yeah, uh, that does happen even on a science fiction podcast. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so like it does happen, but. Like I remember, he said the number, and I mean, he has sponsors, uh, and some of the sponsors are sponsoring, like, have ads on a bunch of podcasts. Yeah. So like Casper, Casper mattresses, Casper yeah. mattresses, um, Harry's shave. Uh, so like, yeah, we're already see you're not getting paid for these these name drops we're doing. Yeah. So I should stop naming them. <laughs> They're not sponsors. Screw them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I so I don't I don't really think like the like they're like there's this place where everyone else is at and like if you're only getting 50 or 100 they're like you're all the way up down in this basement like because i don't really think unless you're joe rogan like yeah. you're not 
this type of podcast and this kind of audience, I don't think it's, when you max it out, I don't think it's huge. Mm -hmm. And I also just don't think the way they count downloads and listens is really capturing. Uh, And by the way, and I did notice that they don't really rank you the way the way they think you think they do yeah it's just so it's like i thought i had right. it figured out but i was super wrong it yeah. doesn't make any sense they, i can't figure it out they might have changed it i, I mean they might I, sh- I don't like being at the mercy of itunes yeah like i i've had a lot of luck with youtube where um if i'm streaming it directs people to me mm-hmm. like there's just something built because the thing about streaming is that like people are not looking for me they're mm-hmm. not looking for like they're looking they're for ty- Mario Maker. They're, they're not. Yeah, yeah, they're not typing in your name. They're typing right. in the subject. And then if you look for someone playing Mario Maker on YouTube, uh, because it's, I mean, like, I do stream on Twitch occasionally, but Twitch is like packed with people streaming, and like fifteen or twenty people will be playing a game with one or two people watching. Uh, on YouTube, there's generally like three or four people streaming a game at a time. It's a much smaller crowd, so. Uh, like I'll have nights where I'll stream and I'll get like twenty new subscribers. Um, just new people that found my channel because of YouTube recommending it in one stream. Yeah. And getting 20 new subscribers on a podcast could take a year, you know? it's And that's just like one day. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's hard to like, I, I've started to feel like it's just swimming up, podcasting just started to feel like swimming upstream in a way that is stressing me out. Uh. But, but I do, I want to succeed at this. Like, I love doing this. I want to have a successful podcast. You know, I would love that. That'd be so cool. Part of me feels like I should just, you know, Miles is coughing. Miles has developed a cough, wow. but he's okay. He's all right. We're still. He's been quiet. Yeah, he's been good. Um, <laughs> he's fifteen. He's an old dog. Oh, I see. Oh. Yeah. Um, I I would. Part of me is hoping that if my game streaming audience grows enough, it could help me to sustain a successful podcast. Also, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not at that point at all. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean. I don't know. I, and I hate to compare one to the other, but but as a content creator, having an audience is what generates my energy. You know, that's okay. what helps me to uh, to feel inspired constantly. And I want to live in a constant state of inspiration, you know. Like, I, I'm sure you know what it feels like to have writer's block. And yeah. the thing that you're so passionate about just to not be able to do because it doesn't, you just can't do it that day. I have that mm-hmm. with music sometimes. But like podcasting or game streaming, I never really feel that way. I can always... It won't be my best day, but I can get something done, you know? Yeah. And and maybe I can do something that day that'll make someone else feel good. And like if I could do that as a career, that would be my ideal. Uh and I I wanna build something that gets me to that point. And my I really hope that podcasting would do it. And I am kind of learning that that's that if that's what I'm still hoping for, that I need to let that go. And that's been it, yeah, hard it, for me. It, the platform itself just may not lend itself to that. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's just the nature of, of podcasting in general that it's, it's not a few years ago. It was the, the idea was it was going to replace radio. And right. That's not, obviously that hasn't happened. Right. And maybe, I mean, it has some drawbacks to it. Uh, there's some great things about it. I mean, I listen to podcasts when I'm working out, mm-hmm. I'm going for walks in the shower like it's it's a great way to put it on something that you know only has like maybe one or two commercials in an yeah. hour, whereas radio and also there's just a lot of things about radio I can't stand. So I I think it's a great thing, but yeah, it can't be monetized. So you you have to really justify. It, it, I mean, it's a hobby. For all intents and purposes, it has to be a hobby because you can't monetize it. Yeah. So how much of your time are you willing to to use on something that is? I mean, it is work in a way. You're producing something, and but it's never gonna you know. Uh, 
turn into any even a small amount of money. And then also like you're like you're saying, I mean, maybe the audience just never will will be there because of the platform. The platform yeah. just isn't that doesn't reach that many people even on its best day. Unless and, you get on the new and notable list on iTunes. Yeah. It's like the the people that I uh the people that I know that have successful shows mm-hmm. was because of that. Like that, okay. they got on the new and notable list and then their show sustained itself after that. Cause I mean, it, it's not like YouTube where like people can search for, you know, like if people are looking for a sci-fi show, finding me is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a hard time finding my own show if I don't search for Jesse Mercury. <laughs> yeah. Which is again, why I'm thinking like, man, I, maybe I screwed myself by, being like sci-fi with Jesse Mercury. Maybe that's not a good title because it's hard to find if you don't know who I am. Like mm-hmm. it's only a good title if you're searching for me, but no one knows who I am. So, so and like the only people who do are more interested in seeing me play video games than talk about science fiction. So it's not necessarily yeah. the good branding, but uh, I don't know. There's something here. I, I can't let it go. There's like, I, I would love to have a successful podcast that was the type of show that people would want to listen to no matter what the episode was about. Yeah, because I'm the same as you. Where like I, all the interview shows I listen to, if it's something I'm not interested in, I skip it. Mm-hmm. But shows that have like two people that are the same two people every week that are covering something similar every week, I listen to every episode. Mm-hmm. Like like Star Trek: The Next Conversation or Treks in the City. I I love those shows, and I will listen to every episode. Or like Hollywood Babylon, a lot of or Fat Man on Batman. I listen to every episode because oh, it's okay. always something that uh, that is pertains to my interests every week and i like the people who host it and i want to hear them talk it's like visiting mm-hmm. with friends like i don't know i've given a lot of thought to having a co trying to f- start something new with a co-host like you were talking about because that you know there's a lot of benefits with that yeah there i mean definitely having somebody else to work off of especially somebody who's enthusiastic about it mm-hmm. uh it helps definitely yeah. and and I'll, yeah and it, it's it. I don't know if I'm going to do it forever. Like it, it might be something we do and have fun for a few months. And then maybe we both decide that kind of for similar reasons that we, he wants to spend his like creative energies on music or on producing or something else. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to spend those hours instead of on a podcast writing more, you know, or whatever, yeah. whatever we decide doing. I, I think you're right. Like you, do, I mean, everyone has to make their own choice when it's something that you're doing for fun. You're doing it as a passion, right? And you're not getting paid for it, and it it, it could be displacing something else that you yeah, could be doing with your time. And it's so hard. Like you have to make yeah. the call, yeah. Because podcasting is a lifestyle. Like if you're going to do a weekly show, when I was doing a weekly show, it was when I was like the easiest time for me was when I was working before my my health stuff started because I had regular days where I'd work on it on my days off, and mm-hmm. then I get be able to get it out on a regular day because of that. And now I can't really do, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot better now. I'm seeing a, I'm starting seeing a Lyme specialist, uh, like six months ago, I guess, who also specializes in mold sensitivities and all the weird stuff that I've been dealing with. And that's been really amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, with a podcast, it's like, if you aren't currently making it, it's mm-hmm. not marketable. Yeah. And, it, and no, that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, and I that's do. hard. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. It, it, no, it does. Ha- as a listener, it does happen to me. If if somebody doesn't uh, generate content for a period of time or they're only doing like one every so often, I, I a few times I have unsubscribed because right. I just assume they, they don't give a shit anymore. They don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Obviously, your situation's way different. Um, but well, it's, it's kind of similar. I mean, I, I've stopped doing it regularly enough that I think I've lost quite a when When I... Uh, I had the big drop from the iTunes changeover. Yeah. And then when I stopped doing regular out, I was doing like two or three a month, not really on regular days, but when I stopped doing that and then I put something else out, I had way less than the last time. So I mm-hmm. feel like 
I feel like I've had that loss also. And it's, it's so, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like all this work to build something. Uh, it's yeah, but it's skill. I mean, it's skills you can carry over to the next yeah, thing. I mean, totally. it's it, like, I, and I love what I've done, you know, I'm yeah. so proud of what I've done. And like the show itself will always exist as having been done. It's not like I didn't do it. If I stopped making it now, it's just that like now I've, it's time to try something else, you know? Yeah. And also just to, to have made that many, like I, I definitely have seen a few where I listen and I realize like you guys only made 12 over two years. You guys obviously never took it seriously. Yeah. And it, this is, and I, and I'd listen to a few and be like, man, if you guys ever, the, the hosts or whoever, you know, and I'm saying guys, but men, women, whatever, uh, like they, they just couldn't sustain it. They didn't have the energy. They just thought, Hey, it'd be cool. Yeah. I can put it on iTunes, whatever. And then, like, it didn't work for a while, and they just gave up. But, like, to make over 100 shows, I mean, that's totally yeah. different. That is something you took seriously for a su- sustained period of time. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. And um, you can't really say that you got nothing out of it because the time, oh, the sure. focus, yeah. I mean, I would skills. Never, I would never say that for yeah, sure. Yeah, skills-wise, maybe creatively or just, like, kind of, you know, in your heart, like, what you got out of it for that the period of time that you did do it. I that's mean, why it's so hard to stop is because I feel like – I feel like I've recognized that something's not working and I need to stop and adjust and maybe change course, but I have gotten so much out of it, even though, and, but both of those things can be true at once. And mm-hmm. it, and that's, what's making it so hard for me to like, just make a goddamn decision. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I definitely get it. I've, I was just going to get rid of the website and, uh, and move on. And a friend of mine convinced me not to, he's like, cause I, I was, I wasn't going to pay for the hosting and all the other fees. I was like, I don't want to keep spending money on something that I'm not contributing to anymore. Uh, I, you know, I had a loss in the family last year and I stopped doing everything for like months and I was just going to let it just go away. Cause I'm like, I don't see myself going back to that. And he's like, no, just save it. And if you change your mind later, it's there. I can find a cheap way. And he showed me how to do it. He helped me do it. We moved it over. Um, I still have to pay for it, but it's a lot less now. And I ended up resuming it six, you know, six, seven months later, uh, it's not what it was. Like I, I'm not doing it on a, like the blog, I'm not doing on a regular basis. The podcast we are now officially trying to do, uh, two to three times a month. And like, I'm glad he convinced me to keep it. Now I might decide, you know, six months or a year from now, kind of like you, like I might just in the end, I might decide to just stop, but I'm glad that like what was happening at the time is not what led to it, you know, dying. Like he's like, no, 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 give it, Give it some time. You might get back into it, dude. You know, like for, cause of what's going on in your life right now, like you're, you're not into it now. You're not really into a lot of things right now. Like I, I literally like a lot of my hobbies, I, other than drinking, I kind of like cut back on and uh, just stop giving a shit like sports. I used to be a huge like sports fan and like now, I mean, I still am, but like a lot of enthusiasm was gone. Hmm. It's like, Hey, you want to go watch the game or like, Hey, did you watch the game? I'm like, no. Like, I don't really fucking care. (laughs) I used to care a lot, but so I'm glad he did that. I'm glad it's still there and I have the option to pick it up and and have it be what I I originally wanted it to be. But I'm also kind of in the point where I might, you know, it might be at the end of the year, I decide to do the same thing where I have it. It's always there. I can always show look point at be like, I wrote all that. I made all those recordings. It's all there for people to listen to. It's not going to be destroyed. Um, And so, yeah, I did that for a while. And I'm proud yeah. of it. I learned a lot from it. I developed some skills that, you know, I might, you know, public speaking being one of them. And also just seeing, just being on the ball on something and having to create it without being paid. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And game streaming has shown me that sometimes trying something new 
can it will just be easier you know mm-hmm. sometimes some there's like other formats and there are other things that might work better and mm-hmm. i've seen one in the gaming world mm-hmm. now that like the the game streaming is pretty like there's a common format to use where I, like i now have a green screen and you know it's just me in the bottom of the screen playing a video game that's very common a lot of people do that uh but that has just worked a lot better for me as far as um building an audience yeah so if i can find some i might just try some new things with sci-fi chats because i love doing it and like <laughs> what if i could find a better way and um yeah or just with podcasting in general or live podcast or doing it live instead of you know releasing as a podcast i don't know i think i might just experiment for a while and see if i can find something that feels feels like it satisfies this need to have this type of discussion because like mm-hmm. this is i love doing this you know yeah, i so haven't done I. this in months and it's so nourishing to like just have a yeah. long chat. You know, it's so it, good. It is. I I love it too. I love talking to fans. I love talking to just like other other nerds. Whatever it is, like it. I still my buddy still calls me from uh, North Carolina, and we'll we'll just talk about whatever for like forty five minutes, and I'll get off the phone and be like, ah, Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you need that human connection. Yeah, I, it's easy to forget. It's so easy to just sit and watch TV all day, you know? Yeah, that too. That it's, and there is a lot of human connection to be had by doing that because of like, I just love TV and I love the act of creating media and I love watching what other people make. And I also really love Iron Chef. So there's a lot <laughs> to watch. Uh, but I podcasting has, has been an awesome way to keep me grounded as far as, you know, actually speaking to other human beings and inviting people over to talk. Yeah. It's the best excuse to do that. I know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, I, the thing I, I, I wish I could do more. I wish I watched um, more TV that I could turn into episodes because I just, on it, like when I go home, I, lo- I watch a lot of reruns and I also mm-hmm. watch documentaries or I just play video games. I, for whatever reason, I avoid watching a lot of new stuff. I don't know why. I just I look I pr- I just avoid it. But we're living in the golden age of television. Yeah, and we have stuff like The Expanse, like Handmaid's Tale, Man in the High Castle, Westworld. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. There's so much, whether it's science fiction or fantasy or or something in between. There's so much material there to talk about. You 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 should I should be able to fill out twenty or thirty or forty shows a a year just from TV, not even movies. I mean, forget <laughs> movies for a yeah. second, or just you know talking about the classics. But I and and my brother, I mean, we're both guilty of this. We'll both be on like, hey, you want to talk about that? And he'll be like, yeah, I didn't watch any of that. I was like, shit, I didn't either. <sighs> it's like, dude, how are we going to do an episode on Westworld if neither of us are going to f- sit down and watch the season? Like, we're yeah. just, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, recently I've actually been watching less. Uh, I've been watching more like mindless stuff, mm. like uh, like the game streamers that I like to watch or Frasier or Iron Chef or Master Chef or Chopped or something like stuff where it really doesn't matter what's on the screen and I don't have to think about it too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I have watched other stuff like Altered Carbon was insanely good. I really loved it on Netflix and I have watched through like a, a couple of new things. I like uh, Better Call Saul. I've been really into, but, but I've been watching a lot less new stuff than I used to. I'm feeling like there's so much coming out. Um, I haven't liked a lot of what I watched Star Trek Discovery looking at you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I get sucked in so easily. I, I don't want to, I've been like more nervous to take the risk to jump into things. Yeah. But I know that if I go back and watch next generation, I'm going to enjoy myself. So for that reason, I yeah. end up watching a lot of the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. I just don't want the, I, I want the familiarity, but not like, 
the, the potential emotional like pull in i guess i don't know i just yeah, yeah i totally. mean i've i have no experience i love these shows like westworld i i enjoy a lot expanse i enjoy a lot yeah. uh, handmaid's tale as tough as it is to watch is an amazing show yeah. and i want i do want to like at some point watch it but it's uh i just can't get myself to to it's weird. Like I used to just watch anything new all the time. Like, but I think, now yeah. I think it's something in the air. Cause I've talked to a couple other people like this. I think that like maybe something about the political climate or the cultural. It climate. might be. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're looking for more something just really like comic. I guess if it were comedy and really light, that's one thing, but, uh, but reruns are easier. You can just watch something you yeah. already know you love. And it's from a different time when yeah. it reminds you of the past instead of, uh, yeah, that could be it. That yeah. makes sense. And I've been turning a lot to content creators on YouTube that I like, where it's just like 10 or 20 minute short things that I, you know, that they make quickly that are just more their personality than anything else. Yeah. And it's just like kind of mindless and I enjoy it and helps me go to sleep happy. I, I do love watching uh, College Humor. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I think it's, uh, I don't know who does it, but it's uh, Space Force. I mean, it's a it's a parody of Trump, so maybe it doesn't quite accomplish that. Oh. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's this whole they take his speech about creating a space force, uh-huh. and they auto tune it so like he's singing it. Oh yeah, and then behind it they have like all these cuts of these old cheesy science fiction movies from the seventies and eighties as the song's going space force, and it, like <laughs> the, 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 it's a catchy it's a catchy song. Like when, awesome. m- when my buddy uh, showed it to me. Uh, he was visiting for the weekend, so on Friday he showed it to me. We're cracking up. We're like, this is like a two-and-a-half-minute song, and it's just a total parody of his speech and some of the dumb stuff he said. And we're just – and all the science fiction stuff's on there from these old 80s movies and The Last Starfighter and all this other stuff. And uh, and also, like, The Lost – what is it? The Lost Planet, um, that old one with Leslie Nielsen. Forbidden uh, Planet. Forbidden Planet, that's yeah. it. And – like I'm just laughing. I'm like, that is so funny. We watched it three or four times, and all weekend we're like, we're hanging out, we're partying. When things go quiet, one of us would just be like, Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I'll have to show it to you when we're done here, yeah, or yeah, like later on. It. it it gets in your head. It just crawls in there and just won't hold on. I love stuff like that. Like those little moments of pure joy by finding something so silly that somebody else made. It, it's I can't believe they spent the time. I'm glad they did. Yeah. I'm like, these guys have some time on their hands, and this is what they did. I'm happy they did. I hope so. I hope maybe it was like, I don't know if they're monetizing it. They probably aren't. But I'm like, you know, I'm just glad they made it. And yeah. I, I hope just from the views that they got that they know what, what it's done. Like, yeah. A lot of people enjoy it. It's amazing how many people are making a living doing that. It's Pretty, yeah, YouTube. I would love to be one of those people. <laughs> yeah, YouTube stars. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. YouTube's just a better platform uh, in general. Yeah, and I've heard really good things about Twitch also. Although I've had... I haven't used used that yet. I've had less success on Twitch because uh, there's just so many more people there. Mm -hmm. And then when I stream on Twitch, it's like trying to get my YouTube audience to come over to Twitch. And 90% of the people that watch me on Twitch are from my YouTube audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I like it fine, but I, for some reason, I'm more comfortable on YouTube. I, I don't know why. Something about the... Something about like the actual platform itself, I just find a little more pleasing to use and less frustrating. Because when you're dealing with like streaming software, it gets really frustrating. And I, YouTube, I don't know. Everyone always complains about YouTube streaming software. I don't know why, but my settings work fine with it, and I found it to be a little less frustrating. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet. I mean, look, I've heard good things though, and I know a lot of people have built careers out of what they used to screw around with on YouTube. Yeah, and I. I'm trying as hard as I can to produce this web series. We we finally set a shooting date and now we have to reschedule it. So I Oh no. It's so it's so hard to get 
four people into one room. It's oh. ridiculously hard. But we like have a team together. We're trying to get it going, and I want to put that on my YouTube page. So I feel like I'm building. If I put if I make stuff for YouTube, it feels like I'm building one catalog instead of this like fragmented catalog with podcasts somewhere else. Makes sense. Um, but I don't I don't know. I just love I love podcasts, and I want to have a podcast because I love them so much. Yeah. So I keep running into that. Maybe I'll if I had like a partner to work with, I could maybe do a live broadcast that they would release as a podcast. So I would only have to do half of the work. You know? <laughs> That's my dream. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, we said we're going to stop talking and then talk for another half an hour. So we should yeah, probably stop. But... Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Uh, Wes, this has been awesome. Thank yes. you so much. I'm so glad to finally meet you in the flesh yeah. and to have a chance to sit down and chat. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, this has been awesome. I'm yeah. so glad my show is still going long enough to get you on the show yeah. after years <laughs> of chatting with you. Yeah. Um, tell us again where to find all your your new podcast, your old podcast, any books right. or anything you want to plug. Go for it. All right. The the blog is prescientsci-fi dot com. That's p r e s c i e n t s e i f i. Um, that is, I I definitely need to get back onto writing blogs on a regular basis. Um, but it's basically mostly science fiction, a little bit of like fantasy and a few other things. But it's mostly just you know books, TV, movies. That's the blog. The podcast is Vacant Expressions, One Hour of Your Life You Will Not Get Back. It is with my brother John Fox and me. And we just posted our first two episodes uh, in, the, in the past two weeks. That's all, You can also get that at pressingsci-fi.com. Uh, it's also on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and everything. So, uh, yeah, those are the two things we have alive right now. Um, I enjoy doing them. I enjoyed this. Uh, I just love talking this stuff all the time. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I just hope to, we all get to continue to do it because it's a great time to be alive to do stuff like this. And uh, <laughs> I think most of, uh, most of the other eras of uh, human history, I probably, well, I probably wouldn't have survived this long. Or I'd be working uh, in the fields or in a coal mine somewhere. So <laughs> I get to do shit like this. So it's, Man, it's see, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the right attitude. That's awesome, dude. Thank you yeah. so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.